Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this is math. Tom? <laughs> Robert? Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, that's how am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So, here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. Just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. I remember that. You've got a Model X. seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tesla, episode 57. Talking Tesla. What did I say? Talking Tesla. What? I'm an echo. What's I'm it? an echo today. Can we start over? Okay, let's try that again. <laughs> what? We're three seconds into this thing, and it's already crap. You know why? Why? Robert's here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. Talking Tesla 57, we're in the house, we're on time, we're recording Monday morning as we are supposed to, because this is the one day of the week that there's not supposed to be an announcement. But isn't there? But there was. There was one <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> which we'll get to. Oh, Ladies goodness. and gentlemen, boys and girls, I want to go back in time, if you'd allow me. Please, Tom. That is terrible. Um, <laughs> that's much better. All right. May I have a... Oh, God's sake. Here we go. Enhanced autopilot. Here's what they said last week. We've got to talk about what went on last week. We have a little time to digest it. It's about five days ago. Let's go through this. Didn't we already talk about this? We haven't time to digest it. Now, this is... We're uh, going to digest. We're going to resummarize. We're going to go like over cud. this. We're chewing our cud. We're chewing some cud. So, here's Ew. what they said... <laughs> Last week, and they by uh, Elon. Enhanced autopilot is coming to all new Teslas coming off the uh, line as we speak. They've gone from one to four cameras. We thought it was going to be three. Now it's four. Wait a minute. Did I miss something? What happened? Oh, shut up. <laughs> Sounds uh, like you should be doing this in a Monty Python voice. Great accuracy, redundancy, and it'll see fast fo- uh, approaching vehicles from the sides, which has been one of my issues with the uh, autopilot hardware 1.0. 12 ultrasonic sensors around the vehicle. Uh, yes. Better s- ultrasonic sensors. Uh-huh. Double the range. Double the accuracy. Woohoo. 40 times the processing power. An NVIDIA Titan GPU supercomputer. Somebody said, I, that, is this thing 10 grand for the what? computer? No, I said 1,000. I said, people are like speculating, is this going to cost extra for a Model 3? And of course it will, because, I mean, this is like a state-of-the-art, super, like, lunchbox-sized supercomputer but that's what the eight grand well the eight grand, I mean, the eight grand is all the other stuff the too stuff. but like it's a computer oh, they're gonna put all that stuff on all the cars because they're gonna just suck the information and what we yeah. can talk about it i think it's a i think it's a very expensive computer autopilot yeah. um enhanced autopilot they're calling although they'll probably be changing the name of is course. drive on the freeway change lanes transition to other freeway park and summon which Mm. Sounds pretty damn good, but that's not all. What? That's not enough for you? No. No? Because then you can click on the, oh, I want full driving, self-driving capability. Now you're going to have eight cameras instead of the four. You're going to have a combination of wide cameras and narrow cameras, long distances, 250 meters or more. Full self-driving in almost all circumstances. Almost all? I thought it was all circumstances, unless you're talking about fire roads and driving off-road. But, I mean, this is a... 
This full self-driving capability is going to be demonstrated in one year where they're going to go from like Elon's house to Times Square with charging all along the way without input or action by the driver then. So the driver's going to have bed sores by the time he gets to Times Square because he'll never get out of the car? Well, we're going to give them some Lovenox. That's okay. an anti-blood uh, anti clotting formula no, he, that he has use. to get out because it's going to put- – park itself and it's going to charge itself up with a snaky snake and he can get out and have a wheezy wheeze and poozy poos and hop back in the car oh okay or he could just be dead and arrive stiff that would be funny if he actually had a heart attack and died in the car and he gets there three days later That's smelling of hilarious death. wow that would be funny wouldn't it <laughs> the car comes equipped what the hell is wrong with the two well, but he was no tom he was a very elderly man he was a very elderly man, and he just had a wonderful conversation with his grandchildren. It was his time, and he transitioned quite beautifully at the back of his chest. So it's like the equivalent of like <laughs> sending the Indian grandpa down the river exactly. on the flaming exactly. raft. Yeah, but uh, Teslas don't flame, right? No. They only smolder. They only smolder <laughs> and melt. <laughs> yeah, but get this. I can't imagine the stories that are going to be coming out about how terrible Tesla and terrible autopilot is when the first person arrives at their destination dead in rigor mortis in the car because it's gone whatever from la to the grandchildren's home in boise idaho and by the time it arrives grandpa's oh, dead that'd be cool so here's what i'm gonna well, do wait wait settle what do you mean that would be cool <laughs> no no here's how i'm gonna do it like i start to get chest pain i'm like uh-oh this is a big one. Oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go into fibrillation here i quickly run out to the car i hop in and i'm like put Funeral home, Woodland Hills. Boom! <laughs> and then I die, and it just takes me straight there. That'd maybe, be cool. <laughs> maybe the Tesla will have auto fibrillation, though, and then like, right. as part the of it, it'll, it'll notice that you're going into syncope, and it'll just dink. It, it's not like it doesn't have a big enough battery to jolt you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can just imagine the first emergency room that I work in when all of a sudden somebody says, oh, no, another one of those automatic cars is showing up. And sure enough, we all pile out and there's a lady in there like giving birth, mm-hmm. right? Because she didn't have to drive the car. Right. Or some guy who's yeah having a stroke and can't actually lift his arms to drive. Or some gang member put his his homie in the back of it That's and just right. sent it to the hospital. And Stole just... the Tesla <laughs> and said, oh, damn, Georgie got shot. Put him in hospital. Trauma <laughs> We've got a whole series. <laughs> this could be like an internet sensation. We could start HBO, Tesla. Self-driving nice. ridiculousness <laughs> things that happen. I think this entire show has been that, by the way, from what I've understood okay, from the Okay, let's get back letter. to the uh, notes here. <laughs> Twice as safe as a person. Okay. Um, I want it to be safer than twice as safe as a person. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Auto charging at the right superchargers with the snake bot. Manage complex intersections, roundabouts, dense freeways, high speeds, park itself, summon. T- and then they drop the old uh, Tesla ride sharing network. You can get it Bam. to go get your family and maybe your friends. But if you want to do an Uber like thing, you're going to have to join the Tesla like network. So this means that you could uh, send it to go get grandma and basically kill her on the way oh it was an accident i'm sorry dear well they they can't lock you into their network uh um, if you it sounds like they're They'd going probably to have a incentivizing network. to use their network but they couldn't lock you into like if you wanted to send your car out to work for lyft they couldn't stop you from doing that right i don't think so but the probably what this network is going to be is the one you want to join because they're going to say we'll cover the insurance we'll cover the x we'll cover the y we'll have some stuff here. Uh, we'll have the payment system. So it would be hard to jump out of that system. In that case, you can't, when talking about Tesla and making the X and the Y sort of variables, you can't actually use that when talking about Tesla because those are cars.
That's not at all funny. Uh, let's continue on. So you could have confused people because now they didn't cover the S; they only covered the X and the Y. That's not funny. Um, <laughs> now I want to say what happened. So this was Wednesday night. This came out. We heard all about this autonomous driving, uh, enhanced autopilot. What happened? What did this do? Well, I can tell you what I did. I ordered a new S. Whoa! Ordered, done. Thank you. Got to call Amelia back because she called me yesterday to say, I just want to confirm your order and make sure that everything's cool and we're going to start the process. That's what I did. That's that's exciting. What color did you get? Blue. What color interior did you get? Black. Sweet. And my wife said, why did you get a blue car? I'm like, well, I've had a red car. Mm-hmm. I've had a white car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had a green car. Had another white car. Had another white car. Yeah. Oh, they got a blue car. I have a question that came up over oh, my head. Gray car. And gray I know gray. this is this is sort of out. What are you doing with the other S? Cause let me let me give you some context. Go. Because you have another driver in your house mm-hmm. who's currently driving a an ICE vehicle. Yes. Mm. So hmm. What has he said about this new Tesla situation? Has he has he realized? Has it dawned upon him? Um He's sixteen and could give a rats. But but you give a rat, so is he going to be driving an electric uh, Tesla, or is he going to be driving the car he's currently driving? It's a very interesting point that you bring up, Thank Thomas, you. because he doesn't really need a car very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have the old ice vehicle sitting out there. Yeah. I just cannot, in my soul, have my son drive around a Model S, for he will be called a huge pop <laughs> by all the other children. He will just- be the safest <laughs> exactly. if he is hit by a school bus, though. So it does. Uh, it is a car that I still owe like forty five thousand dollars on. So it's still too expensive for a sixteen year old to drive. Thank you very much. Are you trading it in? Trading it in to the Tesla. To the Tesla. Ooh, what's that process going to be like? Have they talked to you about that yet? I no, they haven't yet, and I can't wait to do that. And I'm going to record it because they're going to say, "Well, it used to be worth about fifty grand, but now it doesn't have any autonomous features. It's worth three thousand dollars." No, but we got that letter from that one gentleman. We're going to talk about it later about them guaranteeing the resale value percentage wise mm-hmm. situation. So right, I hope I'm not. Upside down. No, we do Because then I have to get a new S and then give them some cash to pay off the car. I think, I think I'm good. I think basically they take the original price of the car and take a dollar off for every mile you've driven. And any dollars that are required to return the car to its original state. So if they have to repaint a panel, if they have to replace some busted armrest, that sort of thing. They're going to re-up the car, and that's uh, what they're going to base their resale price. Where did you get that from, a dollar per mile? Where'd you get that? I actually was interested in doing this back in the... 70s. Pre-ludicrous <laughs> mode, in the insane mode era. Yeah. And I was actually going to talk about this that was, later because we have a letter okay. kind of griping about Tesla. Yeah, and I think it's Tesla. a very important letter. So We're going to get bring back up, to that. I'll bring this all up. So here's a quick little update. Just after the show, I called Amelia from Tesla and said, can I record our discussion? And she said, no, Tesla won't let us do that. But I have a 2014 Model S gray sort of base thing, 85 kilowatt battery. doesn't have any uh, air suspension and stuff like that. And it's got about 38,000 miles on it, and it's in pretty good condition, not perfect condition. And they said they're going to give me 48,500, and I owe about $48,000 on it. It is going to be a wash, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So I'm going to upgrade to a brand new S, 
with fully autonomous hardware inside it for about a hundred or so bucks more per month. Good deal. Good deal. I'll talk more next week about whether to lease or buy. I'm going to lease and I might even do a two-year lease, but for more discussion next week. So I bought an S. I just, this was what I've been waiting for. So that's one S. Shabam! Shaboomy. Now, what did you do, Thomas? I did not. Because you stood here in the most (laughs) gut-wrenching, oh, my word. Well, it says here on the the show notes that I changed from a bolt to a cheap leaf. And what I'll say about you, that's a theory at the moment. In practice, I did nothing. I sat around all weekend being kind of... Well, you are full on. I'm going to get the bolt. It's all good. Yeah, it's all yeah, good. I was ready to go. And then this came out and you – because I why did it change your mind? Because I didn't think that there was going to be such a drastic difference between the bolt range-wise and the Model 3. I mean I knew the Model 3 was going to be exciting and interesting and have some autopilot thing. And I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But now 18 months from now – and I got – I looked my updated – not I didn't update it, but I looked on my Tesla reservation. So I have a day one reservation Yes. on my, you know, my Tesla uh, for I, a Model I'm, 3. For a Model 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, you Day know, one. maybe Let I'll, me think. When is that going to be? Let me think. I don't know. Think. Mid, tw- like, end of first 2017 three at best. First three end months. End of 2017, of, not. No. Like first quarter of 2018. Okay. Is yeah, my maybe. Were you at the store? No, I wasn't at the store, Robert. We then know I wasn't at the, the store. You knew I wasn't at the store. Oh, you weren't at the store. You're not getting you. it in 2017. This guy over here with the, did you go to the store? Were you at the store, Robert? Okay, yeah, you know I what, Robert? What did you do? Five in the morning. Did you buy one? Oh, you're, now you're different. Yeah, no, no. I'm While just going you're to still you. putting I around. I Literally putting around. I didn't around. buy a car. Right, I'm still driving oh. a 25-year-old Lexus. That's Great. true. That's fine. Keep destroying the world. It's fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's no, I'm, I'm not saving. I'm no, just not. I'm, I'm, I'm not adding any additional greenhouse gases that wouldn't be there anyway. So you know, whatever. Additional greenhouse gases? How are you not putting out greenhouse gases right now? Well, I'm, I'm additional is what I'm saying. Additional to the well, like because it, it takes greenhouse gases pumping. to build a car. If I ordered a car, there'd be some greenhouse gases involved in the production. Said automobile. Let's move on. Oh, these justifications are giving me a I'm not justifying. I'm just saying I haven't done it yet. I'm sorry. I'm still – the plan is at this moment, which has changed every week for the last eight weeks, is to buy a Leaf. I'm just waiting. You know, whatever. Leaf. Go on, Robert. Don't judge me. There's a lot of judging. You can't see this on Talking Tesla, but if you look at the keys of my keyboard here, they're really, really smooth and almost worn off because I've been going back and forth and back and forth. I can't decide. I think I'm going to pop for the 90D without all of the speed upgrades. What? I know. Okay, we've just given Tom a hard time. I know. You have been talking about getting this P100DL Shamalama Ding Dong. Why don't you have an extra $43,000 to blow? Fuck. Why $43,000 is more than I've ever spent on any other car, let alone buying a car for over $100,000. So Except yeah, for your last I'm car. I'm sitting here. Well, the last car actually was just under $90,000. It was eighty nine nine ninety five. That was my sticker price. Yeah. And then you have to pay tax. Yeah. And license, and it went to just over a hundred thousand dollars. It's a lot. Of so money. you're saying that a well configured ninety D. I'm sitting here with the versus the well configured P one hundred D L is forty three thousand dollars difference. Yes. Holy potatoes! That is a very profitable. Why is it car. so much money? It's Extra. a profit center, baby. Because it's a fantastic... <laughs> but you know what? I'm sitting here looking at this thing. The car looks identical, right? Here's the spec sheet for the P100D ludicrous mode and the spec sheet for the 
P, no, for the 90D, no P, just the 90D. It's the exact same car on the outside. And I'm just thinking about this. That's ludicrous. (laughs) $43,000 difference is crazy. So it would go from 294 miles to 315 miles. So that's like 20 miles extra. It's worth 43,000 <laughs> not it's speed amazing difference right so right now my car in the best of times is around 5.3 5.4 seconds 0 to 60 that's a blast i still love the car if none of this happened i'd still be loving the car and i do love the car do i need to go 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds would i be satisfied with 4.2 seconds that's still like a second faster than my car that's a lot of fun. I'm not as crazy a speed demon as you guys all joke I cannot. around. That's incorrect. You are. Actually, <laughs> So basically, so $43,000 for a little bit of extra range, which is non-significant. And a little bit more speed. And a lot more speed. A lot, a lot more, more speed. acceleration. Like not twice top end. as fast. Far twice as fast. And I've been watching YouTube videos of Hellcat versus this. And there's a really good one where a woman basically syncopizes in the front seat next to her husband. She's like, stop, stop the car. (laughs) I'm like, well, that's fast. (laughs) Uh, It is crazy. And and I love watching the videos on it. But how often would I actually do it? You would have to take it to a uh, raceway in Palmdale and just like have to. I would guess once a year at least. I was invited to go drag with the LA Tesla Club. See what I'm saying? I didn't even go. Mm. I didn't even. Know. That's because you don't have anything ludicrous. What are you going to bring? You're going to bring a, like a eighty-five. And actually, you're not allowed to take passengers when you do that. You're allowed to kill yourself, but not all other right. People. So, did you push by? Are I did. You I'm sitting the here. Okay, here it says next. I'm going to push the next button. So, are you getting a new one? Oh, get he's getting. Thing? Look, oh, at him. I have to order save design. Okay, put so my he's name getting in. a new I'm one. Putting my name. Right, in. This is happening live in real time. Robert <laughs> is throwing away a hundred thousand, but he's, at least he's not throwing away hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, five days later, what are people saying? Well, there's mixed reviews. Some people are stunned and amazed like me. Some people are saying that the video shows showing the Tesla autonomy is weak because it's basically driving around the roads of Palo Alto and on the freeways, and these are really well marked and there's good signs, and um, this doesn't really show how good this thing is at all. Haters going to hate. Yeah, really. I Haters watched... are going to hate. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. I don't know if Talking Tesla has seen the video. You've got to watch the video. When you say Talking Tesla, it's not a sentient being. The it's nation. us. No. The nation. Oh, the nation is nation. a sentient being. <laughs> the nation does exist. It is out there. It is real. It writes letters. I uh, look at that video and I go, holy crap. That's okay. unbelievable. So that brings up an excellent point for you gentlemen. The video is amazing. This group of individuals is spending a couple hundred thousand dollars collectively. Granted, I'm not part of that, but I be. hope to be at some point. <laughs> you will be. Uh, but the nation is indifferent or at least somewhat sort of measured in its reaction. The Tesla because nation? I, yes, I put out a poll on the Twitter. I don't oh, know if you guys saw the poll on no. the Twitter. And the poll on the Twitter was – Specifically, was today's announcement enough to make you purchase a Tesla this week? Right? Answer number one was yes. Answer number two was no. Answer number three was, I think I'll wait for the Model 3. Did you see this poll? There are about 105 or six people voted the last time I checked it. 20% said yes. So that's 20 I'm sales. I'm in the top 20%. Yeah. <laughs> woo, woo. 20%, 25% said no, and the rest said they'd wait for the Model 3. So that I found that to be very, very interesting. Which is why uh, after last quarter's push to sell as many Teslas as possible, 
Elon said, no, in quarter four, I don't think we're going to need to do any raising of cash. And Donald Trump said, I don't believe the polls. <laughs> so I thought that this would actually have a huge effect on the stock market price on the stock it price. Didn't. Am I missing and something? It, it didn't. Today, stock price two hundred three up one point five four percent. Not a huge jump. I was expecting everybody to be head over heels. Yeah. The honest thing about it is, you don't even hear a lot about it. Like it wasn't on every single news show. It like wasn't everywhere. Only, only on cable news, right? And all the car and EV websites. Yeah, but. I saw nothing from any of the big ones, except there is a, a good blurb in Forbes. I put in a, an article at the last minute last night as I was catching up. So what are we missing here? So Is I, this not the game changer I, we I, thought it was? Well, let me... Uh, no, we are ahead of the curve. I think that everybody is missing the point. But, you know, at the end of the last episode, I went on a spiel about how I thought Tesla could become the most, uh, the yeah, biggest company did. in the world. And now I would like to try and defend that. But first of all, before <laughs> I go further, I would like to say... Please do not buy Tesla stock based on the sheep herding Australian idiot on talking Tesla. This is pure supposition. This is sort of fantasy. Anybody that would buy stock based on anything I would say needs a CAT scan and a psych consult. And the immediate best part about that is you could give them both of those things more than better stock tips. I, I would actually argue you have to go a lot farther. You need to check for West Nile virus. <laughs> you need to do an LP. Wow. Yeah, you really wow. got spinal tapping. So here's bad, why man. I say this, and um, it'll be interesting to follow this over time. I'm going to use the Apple analogy, the overused, ridiculous Apple analogy, but I would like to use it one more time. I mean, why? Not. Why Let's not? Just throw some Everybody else gets to fuel on the fire. Here's the Apple analogy. Apple was a small but innovative company. It had a creative genius at the head and absolutely rabid followers. I'm talking in the late 90s. Apple was not the first to come to market, but it made these beautiful aspirational products which were spectacularly functional. For example, the iPhone. The technology was at the point where it was about to take off. Just before the iPhone came out, you know. There wasn't the processing power. You couldn't quite do it. But Apple comes along just at the right time with this beautiful technology. They package it wonderfully. And then, boom, they come out with this trans, this product which changes everything. And within seven to ten years becomes the biggest company in the world. This is where the, the analogy goes. Elon and Tesla are on the same path. You've got a creative genius. You've got these incredibly rabid followers. He is making already hopelessly beautiful products that everybody wants, but they can't afford right now. Their tech is ahead of everybody else's in terms of its integration. And if this works, if they can do level five autonomous driving, they can open a ride-sharing network, they can put this into their mass transport vehicles, then it will change everything. The only way this doesn't work is if one... It doesn't work and the cars start crashing. Hmm. Oopsie. That's a big what if. More often than people do. So I want it to see I want to see it at least twice as safe as human drivers. But if they pull it off and it's more than twice as safe and they can prove that. And the only other way this uh, fails to become a, an enormous company, maybe it's not going to be the biggest company in the world, but a huge company, is if everybody else catches up. And that absolutely could happen because there are other people out there working on this and they've got more cash than Tesla does right now. But... It could be, if all of these things work, that a couple of years from now, they are selling so many cars. They're so, they've got this huge transport industry that they've developed. Say nothing about what's happening over at SpaceX. This could be a gigantic, unbelievably large, big, enormous company. Add to that that they're the only people that will have the capacity to make batteries for all of these things. 
Boom! Trillion dollar company. Yeah, the battery capacity is a huge, huge element. I would say that they really do need to very seriously start thinking, you know, if they're to become the biggest company in the world, they're not going to be able to do it with one car factory in Fremont. Oh, they will have, well, to have we know so that, many right? car factories. They've already announced that they've added, they're adding a assembly line at the Gigafactory for Model 3. They're going to build, if not the whole car, I expect they're going to build the chassis and battery pack assembly the sled yeah uh, there's enough room in that nevada desert to build a very very big extension to that gigafactory so uh am i wrong or am i wrong i don't if think everything goes right wait, this wait, wait. Becomes... you can't be wrong or wrong you have to be wrong or right yeah but am i wrong or because I... i'm pretty sure i'm wrong so <laughs> I thought I'd... well i mean your argument is salient i think the only thing kind of again keeping it back from them Keeping them back from doing that is if something, you know, the event happens, the Samsung 7 event. Like yes. if the Samsung 7 event happens in a for a car company like Tesla, it's game over because it's, you know, they, they – I don't know how they recover from something like that in, in, the, in a situation where they don't have – Fifty billion dollars in the bank account, you know, and that's absolutely true. That. If you have a yeah. Model Three and they start catching on fire because they effed up the battery, you chemistry, mean melting? They don't catch what on a fire. Disaster. They they smolder. <laughs> but reality, think about they've already built what a hundred thousand cars more. They've already worked on the battery technology. I mean, the actual cells are essentially Tesla designed. The cooling system's been upgraded at least once, probably multiple times. They've they've refined this a great deal. I mean, I'm not saying the event's going inevitable. I'm just saying no, like that's the, so. If it's not the battery, it's okay. It's fully self-driving. The regulators say, yeah, you're good to go. And then in the next two months, there's 17 crashes, which is twice as much as a uh, drivers under normal circumstances. You're like, oh, this thing is killing people. Right? Oh or, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The autopilot. But then that that's. That's not a huge Meh. problem because you're talking about, okay, let's just turn it off. It's refund $8,000. Although, I guess refunding $8,000 to 500,000 people is. Uh, well, they know. would probably just turn it off and say, we need more time for it to learn. But they'd so, have to give us our money back. Well, no, they could say, we're turning it off for a little while. It'll piss people off. We'll turn it back on later. I think the key thing is don't turn this stuff on. So, what they're going to do is they've got all these arrays. It's going to learn, learning, learning, learning all the time, even though it's not you're not actually using it. It's learning from you. I pray that they do not turn it on until they're absolutely certain it's at least twice as good as a human. You mean you don't want it to be like Siri? Well, because exactly. the situation... <laughs> Thank okay, you. Look at the kinds of things that people did with Autopilot 1.0. All kinds of crazy things, testing it, YouTube videos, right? Like, imagine what people are going to try to do with this car and videotape and put up. And so any of those kinds of things, that those are the kinds of things that you will actually hear news reporting on, right, is the crazy things like that. So this is what gives me faith in Elon and his team. They are so stealthily fixing this problem, right? So we had people driving around with autopilot... Okay, how are we gonna how are we gonna call this? Right, we called it TAC before. We're gonna call it TAC two We're gonna say first version autopilot software uh, hardware with the eight with the earlier software, software and hardware one. Yeah, let's just say that. So people were doing all kinds of stupid things. I get you, and I don't think Elon ever wanted to come out and say, "Oh my God, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have put this out too early." Germany's pissed at us. California's pissed at us. We can't say it's autopilot, yada, yada, yada. So what are they doing? They're putting out this new car, which everybody wants, and they're saying, we're turning it all off. 
because we need to validate, et cetera, et cetera. Bullshit. I know they could probably just keep all the same features going and introduce more, but no, they're using this as a way to dial it back, to decrease the risk, and to be a little bit more thoughtful about putting this out. That's probably not 100% accurate, right? Because I, I don't know how many cars they're going to deliver between now and December, which is not very far from now, which is or when January. they said they were going to turn it on in December, if they're on time. I mean, who knows with that? Is that December 25,000 cars. 31st in the next yeah. in a quarter. In a quarter. 25,000. So, I, you know, the only thing that I can see that's different is they have a different computer, but the computer is much more robust. That shouldn't be a problem. They've got different ultrasonic sensors. That's really the only thing I see that's a major change. So the input they're getting from these ultrasonic sensors around the car, a lot bigger range. So they have to integrate how much information they're getting and much increased sensitivity or accuracy. I'm not really sure what that means, but maybe a blur is not so blurry. It's actually more distinct. So they'll have to integrate that. And I understand that that may present a challenge, and maybe that's why they're pulling it back. But I think that this is more of a political move than it is an operational move. Well, I think my understanding is that because they've got new sensors, new arrays, they don't know exactly how it's going to function, even compared to the old one, until they've got some data. So wait, get some data, and then this it's an aggressive timeline. Like December, they'll turn it on. And in a year from now, they're going to drive from L.A. to New York with no input? We'll see. That's crazy awesome. I just like that all of this speaks to them being careful, thoughtful, and doing, for me, the right thing. Yeah, I think a little more careful and thoughtful than last time. Okay, so... So that's good. You think they're going to be bigger than Apple, potentially, Yes, they have that thing. The, the market is not impressed so far. The people are not impressed. Right. Most people that I talked to last night, I went to a social event in my curling club. Uh, we were hanging out. No one was talking about it. And it's not a game changer for people. Why isn't it a game changer for people? Is it because right now Tesla's still just a little niche company and because we're in Los Angeles and we do a show named Talking Tesla, we're just super hyper aware. But really in the in the whole big, big wide world picture of things, this is not, not a thing. I am surprised that the tech uh, blogosphere, potosphere is not as over the top as I am. So it probably is that... I'm a loser. But it's a little bit mm. analogous, is it not, to the internet. I remember a friend of mine who was a technologist at the time, and it was in the mid-90s. And he was in Australia, and Australia was behind in terms of technology than the U.S. And he came over, and I've got you know Netscape and stuff working for the first time. And, and he asked me, well, what do you think about this internet thing? You know, uh, am I getting behind here? What's going on? I'm like, no, nah, I don't think it's going to turn out to be much. <laughs> <laughs> and I had it, and I was like, yeah, there's a couple of websites and stuff, but it's not that important. Yeah. Five minutes later, you're like, Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, I think putting on the futurist hat, I agree with you, Mel. I think you're right on. This is an enormous game changer. This is going to change everything, at least for those of us who get going and get in a vehicle and move around. If you ride a bus, if you ride in a car, if you even use like public transport like a subway, it may not even be that interesting for you anymore or convenient to use the subway. Like I remember being in New York, crowding down into these underground subways that stank. They smell, they're musty, the trains jerk around. You can barely sit half the time because everybody's standing. There's nowhere to put your stuff. It's you can't sit down, relax, have a little music going. It's quiet. You have your safe space and you're traveling 
this is going to change all that. I have another sort of next level question about this, right? Yeah, got the next. That just came to me. Go. Is this has Tesla and Elon and his team gotten Tesla the tech far enough down the road to where he can where there will be some sort of equity event where now Tesla is pretty set for the future. It's five year, 10 year road plan. You can see it clearly laid out in front of you. SUVs, crossovers, trucks. Is this and you have the autopilot ready to go? Is this company now valued enough because of its amazing forward thinking to be a purchasable entity by an Apple, by a, a Google, by a Samsung? Not and, by and the stock not? price right now. Why? No. But if you're saying that it's going, I mean, the 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 market cap of this company right now is nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why so I why expected it to it? go if way you were gonna up. Go, yeah, right, but if you're going to go in on a company, if you're Apple or you're Google and you're like, I can get all of this, I can own this next Apple right now for the cost of, I don't know, uh, a paper company. I mean, I don't know what the, the comparable size company well, is, right? Plus, by the end of the year, we're going to roll in Solar City. We're going to have right, a solar roofing project. Has Elon gotten it? Has he gotten the company to a point where he can sort of like if, send it on its I way? If I was on the Apple board and I had $200 million in the bank. Which they what, do. And they do. Billion, I would actually. be saying exactly that. Here's this company. Look at the tech. Look at the trajectory. Look at the gigafactory. Um, and they're cheap right now. Damn cheap. Uh, a year or two from now, if this all works, they're going to be worth three or four or five times as much. Buy them now. You mean the stock of Tesla? Yeah, I would the say company, I'd yeah. say go and buy this company, integrate it into Apple, do it now. It's the cheapest it's ever going to be. We should go back and look at Elon's agreement, right? He doesn't take any income salary. No, but he he's only got twenty two and a half percent of. No, the I understand stock that, but then he's got these goals yeah, that yeah. he set. I can't remember the what they tiers. are. Right. So I don't know where we are on that scale. I think the next big one was like units. The next one, I can look, but it was like there was a units delivered one, Mm -hmm. and then there was the prototyping of the Model 3, which Mm -hmm. obviously he got to. And I think then the next big one's probably like delivery of the Model 3, but none of those things are tied to the Solar City integration, right? right? Like none of that is part of that. I don't think actually Apple buying it is necessarily a good thing because Elon wants to do his things his way. Right. I don't think he would want to be bought by Apple. Well, that's why I asked you, like, has he gotten it to the point where the the wheels are in motion to get it where it needs to be, right? It's at level five, you know. I think it needs one more thing. I think it needs Model 3 coming off the the lot with everything working. And then I think he's going to leave as soon as Model 3 is up and healthy and they have a roadmap for a couple more cars. I think he's gone and he's over at SpaceX. Full-time new CEO at Tesla. I think that's the ultimate plan. But a new CEO and and it's a he sold the company to Toyota or to Apple or to Google? I don't know if he would be selling the company at that point. I think he still want, has a vision for it, would be on the board. I don't think he has a plan. He'd be worried. I'd be worried that Apple or anybody else will come in and F it up. So he wants to still have some control. But the, his day-to-day love is space flight. Tesla is to save this planet. He's more interested in going off to the next one. And and with the Mars mission, I think that is so all-encompassing that it's going to tax him, even though his capacity is is remarkable. 
Let's talk about whether autonomous driving, uh, driving will change the world. There's a Wired article here and a couple of other articles, but I want to summarize some of these things. These are smart people. These aren't idiots on Talking Tesla. But Carlo Ratti, who is uh, from MIT Labs, he anticipates how this technology might change society. So they asked a whole bunch of smart people. He said, I expect that there'll be 80% fewer cars on the road, that uh, we'll be able to reclaim parking lots and turn them into urban parks and public access areas and maybe even housing. Um, his one concern about it is that if it's too cheap, and this is actually what you said, Robert, if uh, these autonomous vehicles make um, traveling so cheap that it actually could actually do a disservice to public transport because people would much rather be in their little cocoon than in the giant cocoon which goes under the ground full of urine. This is already happening. There was a uh, a article, gosh, what was it? It was in one of the tech magazines about Uber and how many small municipalities who cannot make public transportation work with their budget have now contracted with Uber and have signed away all sorts of exclusivity and Uber doesn't share information. And when you're a public entity and the person that you've contracted with will not share how many riders, where they're going, and they're gathering all this data, there's some conflict of interest, but there's a there's dozens of small cities that are now using Uber to get people around. And it's it's turning everything upside down. But these are cities, municipalities that would not have public transportation otherwise, right? No, so it's a double do. edge. No, they do. Well, it's do. they can't afford it. They can't maintain it and they can't make it work. Right, but and that's the what people I'm saying. don't want to ride it. in that model, but what I'm saying is in that model, eventually it would have to have gone away, right? Or they're going to continue to run deficit subsidies, right? So it just doesn't – it's well, not should, a thing that's viable. Why that's should right. any government entity not run deficits and <laughs> – and have a horrible business model. That's kind of like why everybody on the right rails against government. Well, I think let's go further and talk with these guys. Um, he said one way to you know one way to potentially fix this is if everybody jumps off public transport is do something like in London and say like you just can't drive your car in downtown London. You have to take mass transport because it's more efficient. But I'm going to get back to that in a second because I think it actually changes when we think about Eric Bergeson. So then Anthony Townsend, who's a tech author and thinker, says. Think beyond the car. Think about the trucks. Think about the delivery vans, the taxis, the trash vehicles, the mass transport. When you truly have an autonomous system, it changes everything about transport. And we keep sort of thinking, it changes the way I take my car to work. It changes everything. And, you know, it's trucks and it's all this other crap that have that take up so much of the time and space on the roads. That could all be done in the middle of the night. It changes Although trash everything. trucks in my neighborhood at 2 a.m., they, they better be quiet. Yeah, they, they, they need to really be electric. <laughs> yes. But that, that's not the loud part. Of, I mean, that's somewhat of the loud. But that... Yeah. <laughs> they need to fix that bit. <laughs> now, our old friend Eric Bergeson, who we've had on the program a number of times, he's, I still think, one of the most thoughtful people about this and says, autonomous driving changes everything because you don't need a car. The cost of car ownership becomes silly. If you want a car, you can have one, but you really don't need it. 95% of the time, it does nothing. But you also change the shape and the type of vehicle. So most of the time, you uh, don't use your car, so you don't have one. When you need to go to work, you don't need a big car. You have a tiny little car that goes really fast, autonomously, and very safely. So the size of the car physically changes shape so that you can put many, many more of them and be very efficient. If you need to then say, I'm taking the kids and their friends to soccer, I'll just get a bigger car. So with all of this stuff, oh, car ownership becomes silly because now you have the purpose-built car that you need exactly for what you need it for, and it's autonomous, and it just comes to your front door. The one thing I'm not able to wrap my head around about this less car argument 
is there still the same amount of people needing to be at their jobs in the morning at the same time? So, and if they don't want to share cars, and my guess is in the morning, a lot of us are kind of grumpy. We don't necessarily want to share cars. I mean, we do have a pretty robust carpool system in Los Angeles, but I wouldn't say more than half of the people are using it. So I don't think people are super interested in that. So what is it that I'm missing about that aspect of it? Are companies going to stagger their employee start times? Are people going to dig that? Like, are are people going to want to live? Because if that happens, then schools have to stagger their times, right? When kids are getting in and out. So it opens up a whole bunch of weirdness that is a potential problem that I just have not able to figure out yet. I know. This peak time usage I've thought about, and I think um, I haven't heard anybody really specifically write about that, but to me that makes a lot of sense. You just stagger things a little bit and you don't need the same number of cars. So school starts at 9 o'clock. High school should start at 10 o'clock for circadian rhythm reasons. Um, maybe you want to get to work earlier at 7. Then if you stagger all this and they can go at 70 miles an hour instead of the 10 miles an hour, I think you can have 80% fewer cars. Well, this was the cool thing about what Bergeson was saying is that you could make these little cars. Like I'm showing a picture of the car that was from the movie Brazil, one of mm-hmm. my favorite movies. This little car, one person sits in it. It's a little bizarre looking, but you could imagine these things splitting lanes, right? So you got a six lane highway. You could get 12 of these side by side. You could move a ton of people because right now. But that's not less cars. No, it's more cars, but they fit on the road better. Right, I get that aspect of it, but we're that's it's, two different conversations we're less, having, right? It's um, so some people are like, we need eighty percent less cars, and now you're making the argument that we have room for twice as many cars. It's two different arguments. Well, I get that a- aspect because cars can drive once they're all attached to the same network right. together. As long as anonymous doesn't decide to do a DNS event again on them and stop all the cars on the freeway, um, you know, then then yes, you can have more cars, but that's not less cars. But we're getting more people to where they need to go without delay. On time. No, I understand that, but but it's again, it's two different conversations we're having because the thing that he's talking about is eighty percent less cars. Well, here's here's another. This is just a. Th- I'm just thinking out loud. Right now, if I want to get to downtown LA at seven o'clock in the morning, it's going to take at least an hour and a half because it's so packed, it's so congested. Yeah. So you've got all those cars for an hour and a half. If your cars can now get to downtown in 20 minutes, which you can do when there's no traffic on the road, or you have an autonomous system, which is super fast because they all talk to each other. Now, if I leave at 7.05, I get there at 7.30. Now, if I leave at 7.10, I get there at 7.35. So instead of having all those cars, you have way less cars because you used to have a million cars going really slowly. Now I have 250,000 cars going really quick shuffling and back and forth. And they're just going back and forth like, to boom, the boom, valley boom, two or three times. So that's how you have less cars because they're just doing it so much faster. You also have fewer cars because, again, how many hours a day is your car moving you? No, I understand it. But I, again, we're talking, talking about, about, peak talking about peak time peak when everybody times. needs to be – if everybody needs to be downtown at 8 p.m., or 8 a.m., which is how it works, or every, every kid in Los Angeles school district has to be there somewhere between 8 – and 820 right now. So those hundreds of thousands of children that, that what I'm just trying to figure it out. And I think Mel, that does make a lot of sense. I'm just, Thank I, you. I'm asking the, <laughs> I'm just asking the question. The other part about that is if I'm sorry, go ahead. Robert. Uber, Uber gets around this by doing peak pricing. So if you want to be to work on time at 8 a.m. and you want to leave your home at 740, you're going to have to pay extra. So either get to work early or get to work late. Yeah, I can see that absolutely works. You can say, well, uh, everybody wants to get there at 8. That's going to be 
3x. If you want to get, the, if you're cool having your employees start at nine, that'll be 1x. I'll be like, oh yeah, employees, you can get here at nine. Thank you. It'll save us a trillion dollars a year. So there are ways around it um, that I think are intrinsic. But you said something here, Tom, that I also agree with. Los Angeles is a big city. Los Angeles has such a transport problem because we have no significant public transport. We have it, but it's crap, and it's just not sufficient for the number of people. Getting better, but still crap. So if you want to get somewhere, and literally, if I want to get downtown on a Sunday morning when there's no traffic, 20 minutes, you're just flying at 80 miles an hour. If I want to do it at a peak time, it'll take me two hours. Therefore, I never go downtown. Correct. If this system works fast autonomous like you i would love to go downtown and see some of the old parts and some of the theaters but i just it breaks my heart I'm like i'm not spending four hours on the road to do that right imagine right now on friday night you're sitting at home there's not a whole lot to do and you're like oh my god there's an amazing new restaurant that opened up downtown or on the west side santa monica venice wherever it is i'm not going there in los angeles on friday night I'm just not doing it right now because it's a pain in the ass. My family hates it. My wife doesn't like sitting in traffic. I don't mind it, but it's still, you know, like to get to an 8 o'clock dinner reservation, I'm leaving my house at 6.30 on a Friday. It's the end of the work week. It's a pain in the ass, right? Bullshit! Excuse me. But in a situation that we're... (laughs) Wow. What an ass. <laughs> but in a situation where I don't have to drive and I don't if it takes an hour and a half, but it's an autonomous hour and a half, I don't care. And what if you don't have to park? Right. Oh, Again, that is the other this is my this thing. is my argument, right? I'm gonna do it even more. So it's gonna impact the city center even more. I need to clarify. My sneeze was in support of what you were saying. Oh. Because I think yeah, you did the, need to clarify. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the current system is bullshit. Of course I it is. It. I yeah, hate it. Sucks. It. Like I want to there's a you live in the Culver City area. Yes. There's downtown Culver City. There's a bunch of amazing restaurants that I really I've been to one or two of, but there's a whole bunch of new what, ones. What's there, your favorite? I I don't want to really want to say it oh, okay. out on the radio, but one yeah, of them is owned it. by Harrison Ford's kid. Oh, it's gone. Oh, it is. And then Akasha next door is Akasha. is, is, is yeah. amazing, right? That's great. So, but organic, what I'm saying is, but organic, there's organic martinis, right? But there's all kinds of of restaurants in that area, right? But you can't go there if you live in the San Fernando Valley on Friday or Saturday night. Like that's not happening. I'm imagining. I'm touching my Tesla Drive app, and I'm going to say, "Go to another one of those restaurants on my list that I haven't been to yet." Right. In 10 minutes. Or, yeah, the Jonathan Gold 101 list is coming out tomorrow. Like, I could just hit all of those, you know, autonomously. But it, so, but my point is, and you could drink, I'm going to be doing and you more could be of that. Intoxicated yeah. and you could get around. But this argument is like, you're arguing, but there's not going to be less cars. These guys are smarter than us who do computer modeling say there will be way less cars. But even if there wasn't, that's not true. Even Some if of the models don't say that. Even if it's just faster, more efficient, and the key is cleaner because they're all electric and we have a clean grid then we are infinitely better off than we are today. Even if it's not faster, but I'm sitting there, like I'm binge watching a couple of Netflix shows while I'm going, I don't care if it takes an hour at that point. But what I'm saying is I'm going to do it more. I'm going to take more advantage of it, which is going to hyper ramp up that the transportation on some levels potentially. Yes. So uh, I think that some of these technologists have brought that up. It'll be so fun and easy and nice to be driven I just want to get driven by myself. I don't want to go on the bus anymore at all, ever. And in LA, that won't matter because it's such a shitty system. But in New York, if everybody in New York says, and now I want a car, 
That's a problem. But what I will tell you in Los Angeles, the impact that that could have in Los Angeles, and I, and you you've called me the heart of the program in the past, is what as we ramp up and more and more of the middle class and the and the lower middle class are able to autonomously drive because it's cheaper. There's always going to be this number of people who who can't get into that autonomous who just it will never be cheap enough to get away from the dollar fifty ride potentially. I'm just giving you a, a thing. And as we do that, the rest of us are going to end up having to subsidize a, a bus and transportation system. And we've already spent billions of dollars on this transportation system that is slowly going to see a decline in ridership. I found the article. It was on The Verge. It's called Welcome to Uberville. And that's just what they're doing. They are subsidizing Uber rides. And even at a subsidized Uber ride with a human driver, they're making it work. And... Imagine how much less expensive it will be with an autonomous Uber Tesla Lyft car. Amazing. This is this is the future. I'm, Tes- I'm long. Teslarati has an article here. We love those guys. Um, that's talking about this Tesla network. So how uh, will that work? And I really like this. So it's sort of the Uber thing. You buy your Tesla. It's autonomous. You know that you only use it 5% of the time. So 90% of the time you say, Tesla, go out on the Tesla network, drive people around, make me some cash. And all of the, um, the discussion here is about, would you really do that? And it's a really interesting discussion because most people said, no way. I'm not taking my beautiful Tesla and having it drive some 18-year-old drunk college kid to vomit in the back of my car. Not going to happen. Yeah, but the ridiculous thing about this is fine. So set your Tesla to only do it during the day where people aren't getting hammered and going drunk, right? Like there, <laughs> You don't get ways hammered are- during the day? Uh, no, I'm just speaking for myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> just remember with these ride-sharing apps, there's a two-way communication. Drivers rate passengers and passengers rate drivers. And if you are trying to get a Model 3, which arguably with autopilot and rebates – or let's just say there's no rebates. Let's say the whole thing costs $45,000 for a reasonably nicely equipped Model 3 with full autonomy. Let's say it costs ten grand extra to get that kind of a car that you could put into a ride-sharing organization. Is it not worth the extra ten grand? Would you not let it go out two or three times well, a pe- week? People are concerned if this is my primary car and people are pooping in it or it's smelly or it just gets grimy. So, up. I don't like that, but I can tell you what – I was thinking, if you have enough good credit score, like a Tom with an excellent credit score. That's true. You would say, here's the Model S or the Model 3 that I'm going to drive with my family most of the time. And I've got enough credit to get a loan on another one, which actually not only will be revenue neutral, but will actually make me money. I buy a second car to stick into the Tesla network. Tesla loves that because they get the sale. They don't have to buy the car to put on their own network. Tom's buying the car to put on their network. They do a revenue share. Everybody's happy. But what? But there, there has to be at some point a limit to the amount of people who could take advantage of that particular system. And almost anybody, you don't even have to be relatively entrepreneurial to be able to do that. My guess is a lot of companies, if I'm a bank... I don't know. Why Why am I not just doing that myself? Like if it's a money-making venture, like it, it just doesn't feel – there has to be some sort of limit to it because it can't be I own 100 Model 3s out there. The limit is called Fremont. <laughs> it could be. No, but we're How talking many- about a 25-year you know, down the line. First off, let's be realistic. We've done the math on this in the past. There's, what, 250 million cars. The fleet turns over every 25 years. So we're talking about a very, very, very long time n- until 
it's an electric autonomous, a fully electric autonomous fleet, right? I mean, yeah, it's a long well, time, but I think this accelerates it. Electricity is not going to run this forward. Its autonomy is going to run this forward. Right. I think, and, it, and it's all about how valuable an a, a standard old quote old car is that doesn't drive itself the value of those like what's going to happen to the tesla model s's like mine yes the prehistoric generation zero it's going to drop what what's going to who's going to who the hell's going to want their tahoe suv well here's a question for you so like let's say there's a hundred thousand model s's and and that's the nice thing about the the quickness of this acceleration yes we're not talking about a lot of vehicles yes right like how many vehicles don't have Tesla Autopilot One software one? Like how many of those are there in existence? Really, under fifty thousand? Mm, probably seventy. From twenty thirteen to now, mm-hmm. how many cars have they made? I don't know. It's around a hundred. That number offhand, right? So they so but but so prior to that twenty thirteen when the thing came out, then they hadn't have made fifty thousand because they haven't hit their two hundred thousand unit threshold, right? What's we know your that. Point? My point is that we're not talking about a lot of cars because this process has been accelerated so right. much. So it's not like there's going to be 10 million unautopilotable Teslas. Because what I was thinking originally when I started this was, okay, let's take 50,000 of those cars. Let's bring them back to Fremont. Let's retrofit them and turn those into some city's public transportation system or or whatever, you know. Spinal cord transplant. But we're not talking about so many cars, cars. that it's a problem. Now, I want to do one last thing on this autonomous driving and vehicle Only ownership. one more thing and no, then that's well, it. Many, but, well, many. But I, had, I, <laughs> but I was going to go millennial. Well, then uh, let me do this and then you go there because okay. I was just thinking about the millennials. I was thinking about my son who's 16. And when I was of an age to get a driver's license, we all got a driver's license. We all were on there the day one. Yes. This There is a huge generational change. Most of his friends, even though they are eligible, do not buy a car. Yes. There has been a radical change in the way people think about what it means to be independent. And it's much more about the phone and I can call you and I can Skype you and I, uh, we get together as groups. Uber. They don't care about car ownership. They could give a crap. They just want to get there. One of the guys here, I'm like, why don't you have your license? He's like, oh, my brother will drive me around. My friends will drive me around. They don't, they don't get cars. They're they smarter don't care. than we were. That's how it goes. And for them, Uber is everything. And an autonomous Uber, it's like that's all I'll ever need and that's an entire generation. And so car ownership, I think, is going to plummet for that reason and autonomous reasons. So my question to you, Tom, is how many Model 3s did you put a deposit on? Just one. Hmm. Thinking about doing another one? No. Okay. I, I wonder. A, I wonder what the with the. Well, you have two, and he's got two. So I mean, there's five in this room. So if we could, I really we want could one. have them going all 24 hours a day. We could start our own talking Tesla rideshare. Right on the talking, and then we'd force people to listen to old episodes <laughs> oh, while they're driving. Crap, that sounds terrible. But do, I they'll what, certainly vomit. I wonder, will Tesla care whether I'm a bank and I buy? 10,000 Model 3s to go into the Tesla network or whether I'm an individual or will they just see anybody can come, we're going to run the network, you just buy them from us, we'll run the network. We don't care if you're big or small and everybody's going to get the same sort of uh, percent of the ride back. Do they really care? You have to wait for the federal tax credits to run out because that's one of the limiting factors. You can only buy one car. I'm sorry, uh, for each car you buy, you have to have it for three years. For that to be valid. 
But that's for the federal tax and they may so not, totally and that may not be that. valid if you're buying a car for a commercial use, right? right? Which so is what we're talking the, about. Forget the federal tax credits. I'm going to assume they're gone. I'm just saying, does Tesla care whether you buy millions of them or one of them and to put them on this network? The What will happen with, a, with um, how whether everybody does this or not is sort of market forces. At the point where this becomes so cheap, it may not be worth it to you. The only right. people who will make money who can buy 100,000 cars and make a little bit of money off 100,000 cars. Right, or imagine a scenario in which now like you're, all these Model 3s and the price of Uber, even autonomous, you know, auto- let's just say they're, they're all autonomous, all the ride-sharing things are autonomous, and the cost of going anywhere is like 50 cents, order of magnitude cheaper than even public transportation. You can guarantee now public transportation is gone and that there are a shit ton more... <coughs> Oh, God. Cars on the... How much? We've got the American ton. Uh, you got your metric ton. And your you shit, got shit ton. ton. In fact, Uber just Imperial came out... ton. Uh, Uber just came out and said they're pivoting. They're, did you hear this last week? No. Well, they're pivoting. We're moving from a transport taxi company to a robotics company. What does that mean? They're an autonomous vehicle company. That's what they want to right. be. So... I just put in a point here, which I thought that this is fantastic with Tesla leapfrogging the competition on autonomous driving. How much is that going to catapult electric vehicle adoption? I think that is really the silver lining in this whole story. Let's move on and talk about – no, let's not. No, it's fine. I mean I wanted to make a comment about his comment. I mean it might, but again, if if a Chevy or Google came out with a fully autonomous – or Toyota, a fully autonomous Camry, for instance, right? And it wasn't; it only added a couple thousand dollars to the to the cost of the car. I can guarantee you that would be a damn successful car. Yeah, but that's beyond vaporware. Nothing like that exists right now. Right, well, the but, the technology for autonomous driving is not you know linked to electricity. Right, it has nothing to do with it. That. It is not. But it's, over- it's linked to talent, and the talent is just not there. There are such a paucity of expert engineers who are working on autonomous vehicles that they're uh, allegedly worth $10 million a piece. Let me ask you this question. You're, you're Elon. You're yeah. sitting in your office. You yeah. have a $5 billion market valuation, and you've, you've nailed autonomous driving. And Toyota calls you, and Nissan calls you. And Chevrolet calls you and Ford calls you and they said, uh, we all got together and we're each going to give you $25 billion to license your technology, uh, but we're not going to necessarily put it just in electric cars. If you're Elon, are you not taking that money? Because you're a fiduciary for your company. So Elon said specifically on the call, he took this question, are you going to license this out? And he said, it's not possible that the technology is so specific to the cars it's designed for, you cannot generalize it. Uber might license it, but Tesla is not going to. And I think, honestly, that he would say, no, I'm trying to change the world here. His entire purpose from the beginning is we need zero emissions. We need to save the planet. If you're just going to drop these on ice cars. but Stockholder rebellion, buddy. Yeah, which is amazing to me because he keeps saying it. And as a stockholder, you're like, what? But he believes that there's plenty of money for the stockholders as well. But eventually, this is all about electric cars because they need less maintenance and electricity comes down and we renewables and oil prices will start going back up. So I think market forces, again, will mean 
although you don't have to have autonomy linked to electric cars, electric cars are the future, and I believe that um, from a market forces point of view. So I just wanted to point out to you, gentlemen, that we're an hour in, we're an hour into this, and we've gotten through an article. Thank God that somebody <laughs> said, "Stop whining about how long it is." I'll tell you why I whine about how long this is. Somebody has to edit this piece of, and that person. Is what you. is me? What editing is needed? We're so perfect at what we say oh, and timing. Oh, my God. So I threw in this article on yes. the military drives autonomous vehicles primarily because my main concern as I'm about to push the button to buy my 90D with full autonomy. I saw the is, credit card. It, yeah, I took it out. Is how long will it actually take for them to turn the freaking thing on? Elon said that the ones that are the cars that are being delivered right now, no autonomy, no tech, nada. Then it's going to take two to three months to turn up the quote autonomy to the point where you've already that you already have in the existing S's and X's. The enhanced. The enhanced. And then it may be another year before they actually roll it out to the general public. They're going to do this LA to New York autonomous drive in about a year which I kind of expect, but what about the regulators? What about the local governments? What about the state, the DMV, the freaking lawyer industry, the insurance industry? What about all them? Yes, Tom. So I have a question for you in that regards. Is it worth it to not activate the full autonomy for the $4,000, whatever it is now, and wait till they turn it on and pay an extra $1,000? Because it could be, what if it is two and a half years? They will have had your all of that money for two and a half years. Well, that means that years. you'd be expecting a 12.5% return on your money. Well, what I, is the point it, of this U.S. thing? I'm, I'm lost now. This uh, military thing. What are you saying? Are you trying to get us back on track trying now? Trying to get us back on track. So if what? the military has bought in yes. to autonomous vehicles, and think about this. If you're trying to get a convoy of some like highly explosive things or like gasoline through a war zone, why put 15 soldiers on these vehicles to protect them and to potentially be blown up by ieds just send the thing off autonomously and in fact they're even working on autonomous unloading of the vehicles so you could have like a forward base all set up ready to go and then they, you just drop the soldiers in who's going to autonomously defend these convoys of, of robots of stuff yeah they'll robots just, maybe you guys see the terminator you guys ever see that movie? Yeah, he turned it's out to be a good guy. It's all coming. It's all coming. And actually, the, and to s- further to this, not just the military is working up this, but there's another article which I didn't put in there, which has said the same question. How long is this going to take regulators? They're saying that the uh, National Highway Transport Authority is actually way ahead, and they're saying to car manufacturers, humans suck. Autonomous uh, technology looks like it's going to be way better. Please get busy. They really want us to move away from human driving. So it, this regulation thing, we're always worried that the government's going to be slow. They're actually suggesting we're going to be faster than the manufacturers. Get busy. Show us that it works. And we're going to say, yes, go. So two concerns I have. One, I love that the military is pushing this forward. What more patriotic, what more like of an endorsement can you have for autonomous vehicles than having the military buy into this? If they can do this safely, then wow, how much faster will we get autonomous vehicles on our roads? My concern is, however, if they're doing it carelessly and a bunch of, you know, an entire village gets wiped out because a truck full of explosive material drives off the road and crashes into a village and accidentally, 
<laughs> in air quotes. <laughs> and so the la- the other thing was I looked at this picture. We'll put the link on the show notes of seven vehicles all driving autonomously. And basically one, they're all following. They all look like old kind of used trucks, at least the ones in the back. But the front truck has the whole LIDAR, almost looks like auto, the auto clamp-on mm-hmm. that we saw in the, the Kentucky front. Fried Chicken. With the Kentucky Fried Chicken box. And I'm just thinking one sniper, one bullet against that Kentucky Fried Chicken, and these seven trucks are toast. They'll make, they'll make the lighter smaller and harder to hit. You I still hope have so. to defend these convoys because, you the know. The robots, the Terminators. It's I mean, the end of the world. It's the beginning of the end of the world. They could just have drones flying with them or a helicopter, you know, uh, support. There, there's lots of ways the military is pretty smart people. They are pretty smart people. Let's but go on, Duke. With them on, with them on board, I'm feeling even better. I'm going to be driving to work snoozing. Everybody, in you know, year and a half. everybody is doing this. And again, I think it goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning. Why isn't everybody talking about this? Like people don't realize the world is about to undergo a radical shift, and every sort of thought leader on this goes people don't know because it's too big a thing to think about it's just like the internet 20 years ago you couldn't the average person couldn't sit there and go holy crap this changes everything it changes everything from the military to taking the kid to school i'm having palpitations and to amazon and to the truck and model 3 news so we thought last wednesday was about model 3 part 2 reveal and he turns out that he revealed autonomous driving tech which isn't just for the model 3 it's for the model x and it's for the model s so uh is there going to be more Model 3 reveals? Because we don't know how many cup holders, very important, the Model 3 is going to have. We don't know uh, the heads-up display. <laughs> we don't know the seats. range. Come on, what's important? We don't know. And so somebody tweeted to Elon, hey, are you going to have another reveal? Because there's so much more you need to tell us. And he said, of course there's going to be a Part 3 reveal. When's it going to be? I'll probably be in Chicago. You'll probably be in Chicago. <laughs> and we'll probably delay the show for a day, and it's going to turn out to be delayed three days. And then we're going to stay up late, and, and it's going to. And he'll be like, "There's nine cup holders." Oh my gosh. That's all we need to know. How many cup holders? Let's move on and talk about renewables. Can we? Can we talk about Iceland's badass energy project? Mm-hmm. This is a story from Gizmodo, a new scientist. And this that is says hot, man. This is really hot. That <laughs> thank you. Iceland already <laughs> uses 100% renewable energy. Most of it is actually geothermal. They're up there, and there's the magma that's not too uh, deep down, and then they drill down and they get all this stuff. Well, they want to. They want to go to the next level. They're taking these drills and they're drilling all the way down, three miles, five kilometers down, so that they can get to this superheated steam. One of these drills will get you 50 megawatts or about 50,000 homes. Now, they're on a sort of drill site. One drill site. They're on a kind of a perfect scenario. They're up there, and I guess the magma is up close to the uh, where they they live. They have two plates meeting each other. That's why they have that Issa Fakta Gigajoule. Volcano that shut down European airspace for a few days. So uh, this is really cool. I just like the interesting tech part of this. My only concern is is they're drilling and they're drilling down. What if they go too far and they make their own personal volcano? (laughs) I mean, there's volcanoes in the area. That's the whole point of the situation. Do they they have lawyers in Iceland? It's pretty exciting. But Iceland, in the terms like, okay, you say, oh, my God, it's amazing. Iceland's 100% renewable energy. There's 332,000 people. We've got in that many, Iceland, got that many people in my back. There's like, 423,000 people living in Santa Barbara County alone, yeah. right? So it's it's 
easy, but they're almost, it would be, if we were to do this in this country, that would be about the size of the t- pilot program we would build to see if it was viable. Well, so that's right? with how many wells? But Okay, so they're saying that one well could do 50,000 homes. There's, I think, they would need about 12 of these plants for the entire country of Iceland no, it's for to the, make them that, work. That's for, it's if one person lived in each home? Well, I, yes. Okay. Oh, we so got you on the map. Really there. here, really here. So, if you ever been up to like Calistoga, mm-hmm. you ever been to Calistoga? It's a lovely place, Northern California. There's mud baths. It's at the north end of Napa Valley. Yeah. And there's a, ni- a nice geyser goes off every day. They've already drilled down, and they're sucking the heat out from around that geyser. What if they use this new technology, and they could supply the whole Bay Area with like 50, 60, 100 wells? Apparently from just above uh, could, the Bay ugly. Area to all the way up is basically 100% renewable because of that anhydra. Yeah. I want to know how many gigawatts is in the mantle. Like how much steam and all heat can we them. take out of the middle of the earth before we A gajillion, trillion, billion. Before we turn it off. And then we just a hope we don't number. accidentally reverse the magnetic field. Maybe we could cool things it. down a little bit and avoid having as many earthquakes. Yeah, I think opening up uh, super heated holes in the Earth's crust, that'll cool things down. That should be fun. What it is he talking out, about? It turns out that, that shoving a lot of water and stuff in to get gas out doesn't result in any problems. <laughs> <laughs> so how could this result? I'm very concerned that we're going to go from 332,000 Icelanders to zero. <laughs> so what I thought Whoopsie. was interesting is that they noted that they were having problems with corrosion because down there there's a lot of sulfuric acid mm-hmm. and a lot of other nasty stuff. But Elon and SpaceX have created all of these interesting metals and compounds to like contain very liquid corrosive oxygen and they have that big carbon fiber tank that they showed off a couple weeks ago in mexico and so it turns out that one of the researchers that's collaborating on this is from uc riverside and i tell him go to spacex get a tour talk to them get this thing working i want to have some more renewable energy you can um you can actually take a spaceship through the core of the earth because i saw it on that movie called the core so it's already possible, apparently. Is it a good movie? Should we put it's it on the list? It's absolutely terrible, but okay. I like terrible science fiction movies. Um, the new way to store solar, this is from Next Big Future, which is the U.S. Department of Energy says that they are developing a thermal energy storage system that is 20 times better than molten salt. You know, we talked about molten salt last week. We take all the mirror things and you mirror the sun. I don't think it's reflection. I'm pretty sure it's mirroring. You mirror the sun up to the molten salt <laughs> and... Uh, that stays hot even if overnight. Mm-hmm. Well, they say that if you put that salt into this uh, very highly conductive graphite foam, then you can uh, have something that's 20 times more efficient so you can drop the cost per kilowatt hour down to less than six cents. And they are actually developing this and apparently fairly uh, far forward in the development process. Yeah. So this article on nextbigfuture.com is amazing. The one most amazing part about this article, if you read the comments, there are some must be some very high-level engineering-type folks making comments. There are some very, very interesting things. There are more interesting uh, technological things in the comments section of this article than in the article itself, which is pretty short, worth a they say skim through. This is going to happen or it's all theoretical BS? It's both. You hear, You see both for sure. I congratulate you for finding something. You have drilled so far down into the tech news. I have never even seen this website. And some of the links on it are amazing. Japanese wind lens turbines. I mean, 
Holy macaroni, there's a ton of stuff. A lot of smart people out there. I'm feeling more optimistic. I'll skip my Prozac today. Let's go to SpaceX Explosion. Somebody talk to me about why the SpaceX machine went boom-bidi-boom. It went boom-bidi-boom because of not the rocket, nor the design, nor a failure in the rocket, but in how they put the propellant in the rocket. That's not an official statement yet, but this was from the Wall Street Journal, and basically the news has been leaked out, maybe intentionally, that... Things are okay. They should be back online firing rockets, though uh, it's a little optimistic from what SpaceX seems to say, which is like by the end of this year. But NASA does have them on the launch manifest to take a, a supply mission up to the International Space Station in January. So I'm just saying that we're getting closer and closer to taping a live talking Tesla from Vandenberg Air Force Base where we watch the big boomy boom going up. That's all I want to do. I just want to see that rocket go... I am pissed, however. This is delaying the Falcon Heavy. I I bought my Falcon Heavy t-shirt almost a year ago. Damn it. And it was supposed to launch this year, but ain't going to happen. Oh, sorry. Or delayed. That. So I what know. did uh, – on SpaceX then, um, Elon did a sort of a talking points thing on Reddit. Can somebody summarize what the hell he talked about yesterday? Because I was very busy. Yeah, so this was the 3 p.m. announcement. I didn't even understand what an AMA is. I don't honestly even understand the American Medical Reddit. Association. Yeah, against medical advice? <laughs> against medical <laughs> advice. I do that almost every other shift. And so I'm like, AMA, Reddit. Ask me anything. Yeah, ask me anything. Exactly. Thank Who you, knew? Tom. Sorry. And, and I figured, wow, after uh, – so I went through this last night at like 1 in the morning. And, uh, and I realized that Reddit is really a big deal. I don't know. Do you guys ever go to Reddit? No, no. I've heard it had just turned into this completely yes. misogynistic, horrible place to go and post anything because people just make fun of you, kind of like YouTube and other things like that. So it's a social network. I'm sorry, a social news bulletin board. It was founded in 2005, two roommates at University of Virginia. It has a quarter billion unique users. They're all obviously pretty geeky. And they have eight 86 billion page views last year. Whoa. 11th most visited website. Uh, they're owned by like Condé Nast. They're worth like $500 million. Nevertheless, Elon was on there. Ask me anything. People asked lots of questions, like incredibly super smart people. I wonder if some of these people were actually in SpaceX asking these questions. But he was talking about the Falcon 9 boosters, that they can reuse them almost indefinitely. Right. We're talking about how often they can send up a booster bring it back down. They're working on a fifth generation booster or something called Block 5. I don't know how he numbers anything. There was a Falcon 1, a 1.2. I don't know how we got to Falcon 5 or whatever, Block 5. But anyway, this thing is going to be more powerful, more accurate, stronger legs, and could be reused indefinitely as long as it gets serviced, kind of like, you know, your infinity there, Tom. And then they asked him (laughs) about what's... So we're going to go to Mars. Yay! How the hell are we going to get to Mars? Where are we going to live on Mars? So he gives a detail on how they're going to get a foothold on Mars. They're going to send a Dragon scouting mission just to make sure we know how to land and not crater and find out how we can get water to make carbon, I'm sorry, methane and oxygen, which is this Sabatier reaction, which is what he's based much of the success of this or all of the success of this program on. The Heart of Gold spaceship will go with only equipment to build a propellant plant. Then uh, he's going to send the first crewed mission, crew, crude, crude, not a crude, not crude, a crude, crude, crude mission, a mission with a crew, on a mission it. with a crew, but not with a hundred people. He said it was going to be something like 
20 people or a dozen people, and there's going to be a ton of these glass and metal panels that they're going to use to construct like the first living quarters. They're going to have robots that will tunnel and and go underground to create even larger industrial construction areas because you can do that underground, but you can't grow food underground. You need to have sunlight to grow food. And uh, Can they get those solar tubes? You have those in your hallway, don't you? Yeah, I got some solar tubes. <laughs> <laughs> the people were asking incredibly detailed questions about how they're going to make the 42 engine cluster. They said, you know, was it really essential to make 42 or was that kind of like a joke? And he says, well, yeah, it was kind of like a joke because 42 is, the of course, of the meaning of life. Yes. And so they're, you know, they're talking about virtual nozzles and virtual aero spikes and stuff that it took me so long to look up. I actually fell asleep with a computer on my lap. And you did this at like 2 a.m. because this was not on here when I was doing my work last night. You're right, because I thought it was really <laughs> important that we bring this to Tesla Nation. And um, maybe we can put my notes because otherwise we'll talk for another two hours about all the details on here. It's fascinating. I'm really excited that they're thinking forward. And I'm so effing impressed at Elon that he can in real time answer questions with like details of like what the pressure is in kilo newtons, pounds, whatever of the exchangers of the heat and the temperatures and new materials they're developing. My God. The one thing you don't know about this, this entire Reddit conversation happened while he was in the jacuzzi. (laughs) That's where he does his best thinking. (laughs) That's why he doesn't do a live cast. He can be naked. Yeah. He's just like tapping away in his jacuzzi. I don't know. I I imagine, you know, like he's in his uh, silk smoking jacket (laughs) and he's got martinis. He is James Bond. Yes. Before we get to letters, I threw in a late entry myself uh, early this morning. It's It's from... You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. And uh, it's basically a a short article that says, just sort of to summarize, looks like Tesla is going to have about six vehicles in the next few years. And I'm like, six vehicles? What are you talking about? Define few years. uh, By 2000. I mean, by 2020. (laughs) We're already by 2000. By 16 years ago. By uh, 2020. So you got your S. Beautiful car. You got your X. Love it. Falcon Falcon Windows. You got your three coming really soon, next year or so. Fingers crossed. Um, you got your Y, which we don't know if that's the name of it, but it sounds like that's going to be the uh, small version of the X. Why? Crossover-ish. Why? Because it's smaller. Nice. They did say something about Falcon Wing doors. He said they're going to have Falcon Wing Not. doors. Not. I hope they get rid yeah, of them. Yeah, on the, on the mini crossover-y thing, Falcon yeah. Wing doors. I hope mm. they get rid of I hope they change them. They'll mind. be smaller. Yeah. So maybe they'll, they'll be, be lighter. Maybe they'll be more like parrot wing doors. Same hinge, but a smaller door could be good. So that's four. Wait for it. The pickup truck. It sounds like they're in the early stages of development. I saw a cool rendering of what this thing could look like. Thank you. Tom's going to buy one. And then there's the minivan, which you said basically you can stick on the X frame and have eight people uh, in there quite nicely. I saw a rendering of this thing, too. Um, I want one of those also. Because yeah, it looks like that old V-dub van from the 60s where you know, the Partridge family comes out the back. But imagine a system like that, right? So that car, imagine putting that car on the Tesla Design Center. Do you want it seating for 12 because you want to drive a lot of people around? Or do you want it set up to be a camper with a with a stove and a little no, sink I, in it? I want all the windows blacked out. What? I want a I want a U shaped couch. I want a tap. He's going to ask for a stripper pole. I want. <laughs> I, it's too, I, I'm too tall. <laughs> I want a jacuzzi. I, I'd hit my head if I tried to use the stripper pole. <laughs> Not for you. But I want a I want a little. No, I uh, in my head. I want a little mirror globe <laughs> with some spotlights on it. So I, I was thinking about 70s. that. I would love to spend my golden years in an electric van that just drives around. 
Not with a jacuzzi. <laughs> so you got an electric car. You got vape vapor coming out the back of it <laughs> instead of the normal smoke that would have ordinarily come out of it. Hey, no DUI. Yeah, that's right, man. Um, and then the semi. The semi. Yeah, we talked about the semi, the pickup truck. Oh, no, no the semi-trailer. The semi-trailer. The semi-trailer. The autonomous semi, which has a battery, which has got to be as big as a small planet. Right? How many, it's bigger than Ben Hurd's buttocks. How many kilowatt hours is that puppy? All of them. All the kilowatt hours. And Tesla did steal the semi designer from Daimler Benz. Yeah. So a lot of, lot of good stuff. Not really. Let's steel. do lettuce because, you know, although I'm not going to complain about how long it is because people said don't no, worry about it. No, it's amazing. It's amazing length. I'm going to complain about hours. the fact that I have to go and listen to that piece of. Paul Burton is uh, talking about the future of uh, transport in Australia, and I'll get back to that, but it's very exciting. Australia's a wonderful place. You should all go visit. Thanks, Paul. Uh, nice people, koala bears, kangaroos. Lots uh, of interesting things in this. Do they have dingoes there? Yeah, you got some dingoes, and they take your babies. I knew that was coming. <laughs> thanks, got- a, thanks a lot for that one, Robert. No one saw that one coming around the corner. You got uh, Terry Hernan. Subject? Tom is always right. You guys are great. Nothing more needs to be said. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it turns out that Terry is psychotic. Uh, has no, a loss of reality not, testing. No, that's and, not true. Uh, he can't he be talked about he his letter basically talked about our silly debate about the car or the puppy. Right? I thought that it was we, a great we've, debate. <laughs> you have an autonomous vehicle. He's saying that like you that have a just, choice: killing the patients, uh, killing the people in the car, or killing the kids with the puppies. We said that would be a problem. That just doesn't happen. But again, what I'm saying in this particular situation is there is an example that you could give, and it was my car accident, for instance, right? So I'm driving through the intersection, the Tesla knows, and the, so my light is green, yes. right? My light is green, and there's a pedestrian crossing the crosswalk in the same direction of travel as myself, or even against travel as yes. myself, right? And the Tesla sees, oh, this car is about to hit you, and it swerves, whoo, it makes a, a quick right-hand turn into that crosswalk to save my life, it knows the pedestrian's there. Oh, it I has thought, to decide. I thought you were going to say that the car is actually autonomously working to protect the pedestrian and would drive you and your Tesla in the way of a car that might kill the pedestrian. Well, that's what I'm asking. Like, I don't know the answer to that. Like, in the scenario that we're talking, so this car sort of goes into me because if he didn't see me, he didn't see the pedestrian, would be my guess. If he's about to hit a car running directly at him, he didn't see it. So then the Tesla could swerve to the right to avoid being hit by this car. But so that is the scenario in which it's not a, okay, it's not a puppy. It's not a baby, but what if the woman had a stroller? Well, I think what he's suggesting here is saying, you know, they used to have these red flags where if you had a car, you had a guy with a red flag saying, there's a car here, and this is in the 1800s. Yeah, but the driver of the car had to wave the red flag when there were pedestrians, and that's called a red flag, um, which we refer to all the time. But I think the point here is when you and I are in an accident, very rarely can we cognitively go through the process of, oh, my gosh, I'm about to crash in 1.5 seconds. I get to kill the people or I get to go crashing. We can't do that cognitive load that fast. We just don't do it. But a computer, a supercomputer with 50 gigaflops will go and do that calculation instantly and say, it's the kids or the car. I choose the kids. Boom. I might not have even noticed a pedestrian in that case, right? True. So I could, they could have been driving alongside in my blind spot, for instance, and I just swerve over. I don't even see they're there. And I, I make the decision to kill them. However, that's a different situation because, you know, then I can explain it. If the computer makes that decision, people are going to be like, excuse me, computer? Uh, what well, the hell were you thinking? So Terry was basically saying he thinks it's foolhardy 
for us to be worried about what the autonomous car is going to do. And and I have to agree with Terry, at least on that, not necessarily with the Tom is always right statement. I'm uh, very much um, unhappy about that. I think the ethics... Because I'm the, never right. The ethics and the AI driving, it, it's a moot point. It's going to be safer, period. I really have that confidence. I've never heard an insurance agent or an insurance company say, oh, yes, we think we're going to be able to lower premiums by 90%. Do you that, think they're saying that because they're smoking dope? No. They've run the actuarial numbers. This they're, is They're vaping. This is so much safer. So much safer right. than a human driver. I, and I think it is like less people will die for sure. I'm 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 but way more upset. Puppies and babies. <laughs> puppies let, and babies let, are going to be in a world of hurt. Let me role play. I am so upset. We can no longer have pilots flying our airplanes across the skies, thousands of them at a time on autopilot. I think that's unsafe. We need to go back to manual pilot flight. I agree. BS. Oh, wait, that. I don't agree. Never mind. I yeah. was I misspoke. David Lundgren asked about uh, subject e-bike. Mel, do you, uh, did you ever get that e-bike? And uh, yes, I do have it. I do love it. Got it. Crashed it. Fixed it. Got it. Crashed it. Fixed it. Still riding it. But now my son, who was dissing me, saying that's a cheetah bike, um, now he's discovered how fun it is. He's like. Uh, can I have your bike? Uh, can I have your bike? Uh, can I have your bike? <laughs> so it is really fun. This is not sort of the motorcycle version. This is you have to pedal, but then it assists. But it makes, as a transportation vehicle, not as an exercise vehicle, it's bogus for exercise, but as a transportation vehicle, I need to go up a big hill to go over to the pub to smoke some cigarettes and have a few beers. Really fun. What if it's an autonomous electric bike? Ooh. Oh, that's There great. is a self-balancing bike. Who came out with that? Was it BMW? It's gas, so I didn't really pay that much attention. <laughs> of course but not. they show this like super slick lycra clad model on this amazing looking motorcycle that looks like something out of uh Batman and it balances itself. A motorcycle. Amazing. Sweet. That's Look pretty cool. Up. Patrick Knowles is asking something about uh, going zero with the electric heat pump. So uh, let me just say this, Patrick. So these electric heat pumps and stuff, I don't know anything about, but I did an interview with Dwight, which has been delayed and delayed again. Um, he talks about heat pumps, how they you work. don't want to have a nine-hour show? Uh, something like that. Um, so uh, we will talk about these electric heat pumps and whether they're worthwhile uh, in the future. And now we've got Diego, who uh, sends us a lot of letters. We love this guy. Some feedback on episode 56 or whatever. Guys, it's not 2.0. Mel's X has autopilot, tech, auto, smart, 1.0, and software, 8.0. <laughs> I don't know what to call these things. That's what it is right there. Tech, 1.0, software, 8.0. But he's something very interesting for you. He goes into some detail about charging he, he the bolt. He asked me if I had considered the cost of this fast charging on the bolt, and I had, and it's kind of a pain in the ass. But what I will say about it uh, generally is that you can't, we can't as people expect the Tesla model to be the model forever free charging for life. At least I don't think that doesn't that doesn't seem realistic. I'm not saying it should be $10 because I think $10 for 20 kilowatt hours of battery life is a total ream job total. as Robert is making, but it needs to be something. But is it more of a ream job to pay $2000 out of the cost of your car to supercharge for life yeah. and 
supercharge you said you supercharged once so, so that's far, yeah. two thousand well, I mean, dollars for one trip yeah yeah, yeah. it just for seems me, better when you pay up front and it's done then it's free right you don't it's, it's not free, free at all <laughs> right like supercharge that's what my point is supercharging is not free supercharging costs money it may actually be costing more than ten dollars a, a fill up if you really talk about like i don't know how many how many times have you plugged your car into the supercharger for the two thousand dollars you paid up front for the supercharger not the fifty six thousand miles that i calculated would be the break-even point right 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 so so again we're already paying yes. money for this charging for the for the supercharging network so of course some money is going to have to be paid or we're just not going to have a network if if americans and people in general think that long term in, in 50 25 years from now we're going to have all these electric cars charging for free all over the place it ain't going to happen baby and and diego made a good point about how i complain about how slow the superchargers are in relation to this euphoric imaginary 120 kilowatt rate of charging he says do you have an a model battery or a b model battery and thankfully i do have the b model battery they're up to like e by now nice. but they've increased the battery quality or changed the design so that it could accept more charge at a faster rate period the one problem i had with diego's article is the last line mel as always you're the smartest one in the group what i will say to you, you diego is you are off the holiday gift list for me and robert robert are you with me well robert i uh robert are you with me he, he did start the podcast you know, it was his inception the going zero thank he's you he's actually pretty smart thank dude. you diego thank you for recognizing the skills uh paul springer <laughs> says there's no winner for president you know we've been ragging on a particular that is orange-headed person but he says you know remember that hillary gets a whole bunch of money from oil companies i agree with you it's not the best time in american politics a choice Very. between bad and horrible <laughs> But still, I go for bad. <laughs> One of them knows how to govern. We just have to push and keep pressure on people like CARB, right? We all wrote letters to CARB to complain to them. We should probably do that again, by the way, so that they force Volkswagen to spend the money appropriately to build out a charge network in California, which is where they're going to spend the majority of that money. Doug Ingram has a really good letter here. It's in lots of details. It's in response to this idea that there's going to be these magic 350 kilowatt charges that are going to charge your car incredibly quickly. And he says, hang on a second. Not going to happen. Not going to happen under the current sort of technology because of lots of different reasons, most of which I don't understand. One. But uh, to get even Tesla-level 120 kilowatt charging, it's got to be under the perfect circumstance. You've got to be by yourself, and the battery's got to be flat, and it can't be too hot, too cold. So this 350, don't be thinking that you're going to be charging your Tesla in five minutes any day soon until they do some other tech changes. So we get a lot of letters from people thanking us for doing this show. Yes. To, to bring the knowledge to the people. What do you guys think? I think we have learned so much from the letters yes. that we get from people. That has been just an amazing part of this show for me personally. It's a bittersweet event for me because I get excited. The show notes come out, I don't know, four hours before we go to Yes, <laughs> Maybe three, maybe 15 hours before. And I get down to the, and I've put in a couple of articles and I'm read up and everything. And I get to the, the letters and then I hit a letter in which there's like nine Google links to articles that I'm like, oh my God, I've got another seven hours worth of reading to do. These but I guy, love it. I do. Thanks for the letters. The Tesla listeners are clearly smarter than us, but uh, we have the microphone, so we win. This last this letter, last though, letter is really important. Well, before we get to that one, this whole thing about the charging leads me to a question. Before okay. I push the buy button yes. on my computer, is do I want the the 
dual charger on the car. It's like fifteen hundred bucks for a hundred thousand dollar car. Is he really asking us this question? Well, yeah. you know, every that's like a whole shift, right? Even more. It's I, uh, a lot of money. I used to say I it doesn't it's matter. It's not one of my shifts. That's for damn sure. <laughs> I work hard. I know. I, you know what? I'm not questioning that. I know you work hard. You're an you emergency medicine physician, and yes. I appreciate your hard work. And I have bags under my eyes to prove it. But, Mel. Yes. If you were going to do it again, and you just did it again. Yes, I did. Did you buy yes. a dual charger to charge at 80 amps? Yes. You did? Yes. Why? Um, because I have two electric cars. Yeah. Dose. And, and even a year ago on the show, I said it doesn't matter. 30 miles per hour of charge is fine. But there have been circumstances where my wife's driving around, I'm driving around, and then we've got to go somewhere else. I'm like, it is nice to be able to charge up at that rate. 95% of the time, it really doesn't matter. 99% of the time, probably. I don't need that extra speed of charging, but it just feels – I get a warm glow inside. So his comp – take on it was eh, it's only one shift and your take on it was oh, it's oh my one god shift. It's, one <laughs> and you know it's what? the same sentence because yeah, I, I don't do shifts <laughs> I, I still work shifts but what i was thinking is that you know if we're going to have to or if tesla is going to have to build out the supercharger network even more i expect they're going to put more destination chargers out rather than full superchargers so yeah, yeah i think it's really important to get dual charger so that if I'm driving, like I think about going to Hawthorne, right? Hawthorne, great supercharger. You get to wander about the open area of the design center, kind of snoop around SpaceX, see the rocket, the, the Hyperloop, etc. And the majority of the charging posts there are destination chargers. And I think that's going to be the future. I think We're you'll have see destinations everywhere. And it will, there is a difference when you're going to Costco for an hour and I can get 60 miles yeah. versus I go to Costco for an hour and I get 30 miles. That's where it, I think it really matters. Um, so I, that's why I like the dual charger. The reason not to get the dual charger, Tesla Nation, I don't know if it's still true, but it used to be true that they broke a lot more often. And that's why they actually mm. took it off the design studio for a while and made it hidden because they broke a lot and they didn't want people to use them. But now it's back. Does it future-proof the car a little more? I think for all of those things, when you resell your car, if you've got the tech package, if you've got the dual charging, you're going to have a better resale value. But is well, it worth something it? I I just, here's something I just thought of. The cars that you guys ordered with the full autopilot, the enhanced auto or the enhanced autopilot and the full autonomy coming in, in a couple of years, they're not going to have the new battery cells in them, correct? No, they will. Oh, you're right. Maybe from not. the Gigafactory, right? So is that a fact? Well, oh, look at look at Robert's face. Look at his face right there. I'm well, sorry. Let's talk about it right now because you're bringing up something that has been an issue and will continue to be an issue. And it'll and I'll tell you something now. It's our last it. letter. It's the last letter here, and it is from uh, somebody. I pronounce his name. Gandhi. Anshul Gandhi. Anshul Gandhi. He said, "Look, I just bought a Model S, and I couldn't be more happy, and it's fantastic, and I love it." And then something happened that made me so disappointed, I hate my life. And it was this last, announcement. The announcement is like, I just got this car. I couldn't be more happy. And then out of the blue. Eight days after taking delivery. Full autonomy. And now my car is, it's not a piece of crap. It's still a beautiful car. But it's now it's just like, oh, I don't have this thing, which is full autonomy and or the, at least the ability for it. And it's completely changed the way his thing is like, what do I do? I would ask if you could take it back, um, but you probably won't be able to. What's the cooling off? Isn't there a lemon law? No, he, this is no. delivery. It's delivered. He's got it. So this is what happened to Jess and Dave. There's no lemon law. You can turn it it's back. It's not a lemon. It's not a lemon. It's a perfectly fine car. You've There's got no the cooling car you off period in to California pay, unless you pay for it. It's not a margarita. Like CarMax offers you – like they have to offer you a 72-hour cooling off period, but dealers also can charge you for that. 
mm-hmm. in California, and CarMax gives you five days for free, which is how I was able to return that RAV4, which is why I know this information. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. I feel terrible for him. His case is a little bit special in and of the fact that his delivery date was supposed to be later. But they pushed it forward, moved it forward, and he accepted it. So when you order your car, you get to decide delivery date first available or a specific date of your choosing because maybe you're going to leave the country for Can three months or whatever. after the 21,700 cells are in the battery? Right. I mean, again, that, that's the problem. But how could any tech company fix this kind of thing? They'd never be able to move forward. But if what, what would be the difference of getting the newer cells? More range? Well, that'll be the hunt. Who D120D or whatever? But it's the the point is this technology is changing fast. What can you do about it? And there's really not much you can do about it. I say right now, though, the reason I'll buy an S now is because I believe that this hardware is not going to change that much in the next three or four years. This sort of big, giant incremental change will be every three or four years. There'll be a battery change that's reasonably big every three or four years. But if you're one of the many thousands of people, like Mr. Gandhi here, who got a car very recently, you're just straight up screwed. And that's why I was going to buy my S. I'm like, I can afford it. I'll just buy the S. Then I'm like, no, I'm not going to keep this car for 10 years. Mm. I'm going to keep this car and keep flipping it because the technology is changing. So I'm going to do what I've done with the other car, lease it. And then I can say, lease over. Now, what's the newest thing right now? What's your lease mileage choice just while we're on that I real quickly? I would choose 15,000 even though currently uh, I'm not doing 15,000 on my S because it sits around most of the time. But you may send it out to the autonomous network. Oh, I'm not going to have somebody no, involved in my think car. You were. I can't do that. I do like 22,000 yeah, miles to buy. a year. So if you buy, I'm screwed. So like Jess and Dave we talked about, they had an order in and they're about to lock and load. And then as soon as the announcement came out, I called them and I'm like, stop cancel that car and they called the tesla people now very nice and they said well we can't really okay we will so they got one with fully autonomous but i feel bad for they all did. of these people Ooh. all of these people the thousands of people who have taken a car in the last this is like yeah. max you go out and say i really need a new macbook pro and you go and buy one tomorrow and then next week they come out with a super fancy much better macbook pro and you're like uh, yeah, but, damn it. but Apple always does that at a kind of a September-ish. You know. Right, and there's a website you can look and see, like, should you buy now? Should you hold now? There are some options. But, there. but as a manufacturer, you can't. No. It's really difficult if you're like, right. we're about in three months to come out with all this new tech. If you tell the world, what happens is that everybody goes, like, I'm not buying it. So right. your quarterly earnings are horrible. So I have some thoughts. Go. Can we go back in time? It's June 2013. I've finally made the decision. I've taken delivery of my car. I'm at the factory. One of the happiest days of my life. And I'm driving. I'm loving this car. It's amazing. It's fast. It holds the road. It's comfortable. The sound is nice because I got the sound upgrade. Do you get that, Mel? No, but in the new one, I'm going to. Okay. And then, uh, you know, people are looking at my car. They're they're just drooling on it, literally. Nobody that I ever take in the car ever looks at the big screen and says, oh, that's too big. No. They're just oh, jealous. Don't dig on my curling teammates. That's, that's not cool. BS. I'm anyway. Trying to get, I'm trying to open people's minds. I'm loving this car. And then what happens? Folding mirrors. And I'm like, oh, man. I don't have folding mirrors. I don't either. My mirrors have got like clunk marks on them from people, you know, banging into my mirror. Clunking so, on them. Okay. And then I go to Tesla. I have to get a little service done on the car. I get a loaner car. 
it's got parking sensors. I can see that rock that I drive near to when I go park at that parking lot. And when I'm at home, I can get so much closer to the gate so my wife can fit behind me. Oh, ultrasonic sensors. I would be like to have the, how about the radar and the, the, the traffic aware cruise control? I would love to have that. I want to drive like Mario drives. I can't do that. Oh, wait. There was dual motors, better traction, less frunk space, but much better performance. Wait, then there was insane mode. I could have had insane mode. Wait, then there was ludicrous mode. What's coming next, plaid? But all of those are minor incremental changes to self-driving. Well, it's not self-driving right now. The argument is you could wait and get your Model 3 and only spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 for all the goombas on the car and have self-driving why buy it now the reality is just what i'm trying to make is there are going to be improvements and the reality is if i didn't have the money and i still drove my model s for another five years i would love this car i would take care of this car and i would really not in my core have regrets so i think everybody just needs to take a big breath and just lay off tesla i am i would say this i would spin this in the positive if you listen to what is clearly one of the greatest podcasts in the world, Talking Tester, you'll be a little <laughs> bit ahead of the game and you'll know that you probably shouldn't be buying right now because we're pretty sure that these new features are coming but, soon. But he, did, he, he, he bought his car, he probably ordered his car three or four or five months ago, potentially, right? Before this even was an announcement of an announcement. Right. So, uh, so I'm sorry. I totally get it. But people are asking me personally now, like... I've been waiting for a while to get a Tesla. Is now the time to buy? And at least my opinion is, I say now is the time to buy if you want an X or an S because this is the big change. There will be incremental changes that every week you'll be like, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't. But this is the big one that future-proofs this car for three or four years. Anshul, I just say, Mazel Tov, enjoy your car. It's fantastic. You're driving safe. It's a blast. Now, uh, you said this was the last letter. There's about 20 more letters. David Sell... <laughs> Uh, sent us some stuff to read, which I haven't gotten to Pretty yet. Pretty cool. Lots of details about individual parts and, and things inside all of the Teslas. Very geeky. Super geeky. Uh, thanks a lot for sending this. Amazing Tesla Nation enlightening us all. I think David should go to hell. He's outed me. All of my talking Tesla tips. This is one of my main sources. Oh, no. Frank uh, Van Gilwey. You know wrote- what? Then double thank you, David. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Van Gilwey, he, uh, he wrote the book... Uh, what the hell's the book? Tesla Model S, the best car ever. It's a great little book, and I, I, I think it's a great read. It's got a lot of great pictures and a lot of detail about the car that you know people don't even know. Like, why would you buy uh, the kid reverse facing seats in the back? Do you have any interest in buying that? No. I have those in my car. No. You do. Do you know why they're so amazing? No, not for the seats, but they build an extra internal frame around your trunk with like doubling the bumper strength. If you get rear-ended with those kid seats in there, the person who hits you is screwed, and your car is solid. Damn. I, I, was all, <laughs> I was like bummed out because it took away the grocery space underneath that little hatch that you guys have. Yeah, well, but Frank's the one who revealed that to me. We have those. Yeah. So, so Rolf, um, remember Rolf from uh, Tesla X Canada? Is- Rolf Otter. He is actually the one that went into extreme detail about the 350-kilowatt charges and the technology there and the fact that uh, don't believe everything you read. There needs to be some um, – And he talked it, about like perfect battery conditions. Yes. Sorry, sorry. And he, and he says to Tom, you know, 
Chatamo kind of sucks. And again, the summary is this is why the Tesla supercharger network is still so much better than everybody else's network. So, yeah. so you're just going to lease a, a leaf and so wait here's until the, the three? The thought process is I, 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 what I really want is a – okay, if anybody's out there and you have this, right? I want a 2013 white Nissan Leaf SL version with black leather interior seats i haven't the only white ones around here for some reason are all all located in anaheim i know it's i know i'm sorry to interrupt you but yeah i'm confused you like two-tone seats or you don't i do not like two-tone seats it only has it only has one tone of seat in it so the thing about this car is the average selling price for that leaf is about twelve thousand dollars right now which is pretty darn cheap for a used car with 107 miles of range right about half as much as the rav4 to buy the rav4 and it's sort of a stopgap car for me so it's the most inexpensive car that currently on the market that has fast charging capabilities which that part of it's not a huge deal but the the 2013 they had upgraded the battery a little bit they added the leather seat so there were some some more bonuses to that particular 360 model. degree view right if i were to buy i could lease the 2016 white one but it would that would end up costing me about the same and at the end of the three years it would be gone as opposed to this i could keep it for three more years maybe turn it over to my son maybe turn it over to my daughter what, whatever it were it seems to be the more economic like that seems to be the wheelhouse smartest car purchase in my opinion but right mm-hmm. now i you can really only find red ones and blue ones and black ones and i really and there's one silver one in duarte how about just wrap it for a couple thousand I could. dollars so that's the question you guys With want talking a talking tesla, tesla wrap it i'll yeah. buy a silver one you pay to wrap it I'm hell no i'm not driving that <laughs> dude man that's awesome <laughs> all right wrap your car the quins hey, actually you pay me <laughs> i'll save the paint this is chris from melbourne australia and we have to say uh Good on you, Chris. Melbourne, Australia. That's where I went to school. That's Melbourne. where I lived for a long time. Love the Melbourne. And he goes, uh, so Tesla's um, decision to eliminate the no-cost white paint option is Elon's way of becoming Henry it's Ford. It's gone. Yeah, what Saying, the hell's up with that? I don't want to spend 1500 on paint. I want to spend 1500 on the dual supercharger. Only, three, dual charger. only non-additional paint color black. cost is black, flat black. He has right. become Henry Ford. Uh, you can have the Model T in any color as long as it's black. Small <laughs> 3 is going to be the same way. But Henry, in, in, in Henry Ford's defense, he didn't even have like a $500 red option. He only had black paint. It was a lead-based paint, is my guess. It was also. Bulb. I've always wanted a red car. I've never had the balls to buy one well, because... That, we didn't ask that question. What color are you getting? White. And I'm paying extra money for the white, which is BS. Yeah. I don't like the dark colors. That you can't even tell blue is blue. It looks kind of like, oh, kind of like a black. Oh, he's dissing you, buddy. You can't tell if the gray is black. It's kind of like black. So what but about red? The red is beautiful, except I wonder, in the life of the car, how many additional moving violations will I gain? You? And how much All more will my insurance cost? I've been thinking about changing the color of my car, and now you're making me really anxious. It I, pr- did I probably a- should get a my white My kids one. love the blue. They love it. I love the blue when I and saw it. And most people don't like white cars, just for the record. That's yeah, I fine. Get a blue. I like <laughs> white mainly because it's the most visible, day or night. And it's been shown. I don't remember. It's been pre-talking Tesla that I read when I was buying my first uh, Prius that white cars are so visible that people around you see you better and you get into less accidents. But with autonomous driving, 
Who really cares? For me, it's a filth issue. I don't really like to wash cars. And <laughs> white cars can be filthy filth. and not look that dirty. Filth a dirty issue. black car is just dirty. And and I saw one not that long ago was behind me, and the sun was hitting it just right, and it had all these circular scratch marks yeah. on the hood, mm. which really shows Should up I in the black white? colors. Because uh, I'm a filthy car guy, as you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your your blue car will be disgusting. Oh, I need to get What's, a What reflects the most uh, solar heat? What color? White. I should get white. white. I should change it. Yeah, you're right. No, you shouldn't because you were upset with everybody not letting you get a red car the last time. Oh, we could do a poll. What color car should Mel get? Oh, that would be good because what car color would the talking Tesla logo look best on? Either white or red. No, you wouldn't even see it in red. Well, you do the reverse one that we have. Jason Clawson says, regarding the length of the show, don't worry about it. Who cares? I travel a lot. It can be as long as uh, you like. He says, Thank I am God. sick and tired of hearing you excuse yourselves because of length. Now, I think he was not <laughs> Robert, come on, buddy. Seriously, really? Did you go there? Wow. I did not see that coming, Mel, did you? No, I did not. Look, there's a very long email here with lots of links that I didn't get a chance to read uh, from... Gordy Crivera? Jordy. 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 And did anybody read this? Well, maybe we'll I did read it. it. There were a lot of links <sighs> in it. Energetic collapse. A lot of stuff about where oil comes from, where oil's going, a peak oil situation. V- interesting kind of commentary about where we're going with uh, fossil fuels. And we're then, going to hell. Uh, then we got, uh, who we got here? We got Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Uh, did you guys notice the beginning of this? I think it's time we stop. Mel, what's that sound? Tesla stock is going down. You guys probably didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, we did talk about the stock price. And if you're saying, Patrick, that uh, my prediction that uh, Tesla was going to become the most uh, highest market cap company in the world, uh, then, yeah, I'm probably wrong. I'm almost certainly wrong. Don't don't buy Tesla. Well, he was talking about your prediction of the if there's the massive price drops in the cost of Tesla, how much is that going to cost Tesla to make up for what they can sell cars for and what they're what they have to buy cars for? And we talked about that earlier. It's not a big number, right? Because we're not talking about a lot of cars that are going to have these massive drops in prices. Well, it's like fifty thousand. Well, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but it's it's a considerable number of cars. But basically, Elon is getting us. Yeah. The more wealthy men who've bought these cars to subsidize to subsidize the rollout of EVs to the public. So if yeah. Model S's go down to $35,000 without full autonomy, TAC, autopilot, etc., is that a bad thing? I think that's a good thing. They are, as that's of right now, not any cheaper, but I think it is a good thing because they'll move them. The, the, that inventory of cars, there's a large amount of people out there who don't care about autonomy. No, it's not really coming for five years. But if they could buy a beautiful Model S, myself included, for $35,000, yeah. uh, hello, yes, I will take one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I love the I'll, idea I'll that these get really cheap because I hate the fact that like, if I get rid of my remaining ICE car, somebody else is just going to drive it around. But I would that, like them to disassemble it and recycle it and make it into a Tesla. But that thing costs money. Although the interesting thing about it, and maybe we haven't discussed this, is it's relative to the cost of other luxury vehicles, right? The resale value of those vehicles. So if the cost 
if everybody's like, oh shit, I can get a, a Tesla, then the price of the Mercedes that it's being compared to also will drop. So maybe there's something mm. where that number kind of goes alongside, right? Because it's not just a flat rate. It's a relative to the comparable BMW, relative to the comparable Mercedes. And my guess is, you know, as Tesla's, more Teslas come on the market, those things drop even more. And also how many people are willing to spend 50000 on a used Model S? 48,000, 45, 42. It goes up every 5,000. Exactly. So as the price drops down a little bit, the demand probably increases maybe by an order of magnitude. But, Although, te- but Tesla's still on the hook for the difference, right? To you as the if you're going to trade in your car, right? We'll find yeah. that out with Mel, right? We're going to find out what that price is going to be. We are going to find out soon and you know Although we don't care about how long this show is going to be, I care. This has got to stop. It's two hours so far. <laughs> and um, the only thing that I've learned out of all of this discussion and hanging out with you here is that I think I'm going to change my color white. <laughs> that's what we've learned in two hours. No, that's we've learned so many things. We had some very, very detailed discussions about the future of driving and I'm going to call Tesla. Amelia said, call me so that we can configure a car. Robert's got 20, 30 more minutes worth of notes in his hand. So go, Robert. Important to just let everyone know that the the Tesla referral program has been renewed. Has been renewed now. So use mine. It'll be on the Twitter feed. Yeah. So I I actually think think we should coordinate this because there's a a few giveaways, right? But there's one that really matters. Here's the first one is two cars sold, Tesla carry-on bag. I know you'd like that. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Three cars sold, custom headphones, Tesla Mm. headphones. I'd rather have the carry-on bag. I don't know. Maybe they're cool like the Apple ones. If you do five. Now, this is the point. Well, there's a couple more, but the main point, if you get five referrals, an extended tour of the Fremont factory with a Q&A with Franz von Holzhausen. And probably one guest, so there's three of us. So no, let's say- more than one person, so we could rush no, no, no. Oh, but, but, I'm, but, but that what I'm saying, it's like, so you win it. Okay. It's not going to happen because it's going to be my code on the Twitter feed. <laughs> so let's say I win it. I got to come in here and flip a coin and decide which one of you lovely gentlemen to take. That's okay. We're gentlemen. Uh, they'll, they'll be nice. And, and we also have such schedules that we can barely coordinate between <laughs> talking to Tesla. True. All three of us probably wouldn't be able to go anyways. But it would be great to go there and talk with Franz, maybe ask our listeners and if also they have Hans. questions. Hans and Franz. Yeah. So, and then if you get 10, you get two invites to the next reveal. Eh, we've done that already. But then, of course, they'll pick one of us to get a Model X or a Model S, which I think is really cool because I could use another car. It's a drawing. That's all electric. I could use one. Yeah. So, my <laughs> idea is that we coordinate between the three of us so that mm-hmm. all of our listeners use one of our codes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm open. We could Rochambeau right now. And then. We have an increased chance to get in front of Franz, ask some heated questions about like design, the freaking Falcon Wing doors. Oh, we're gonna, we can. We want to know Franz more. Franz will be crying. No, I think he, Franz is a great guy. I think he made a fantastic looking car. He did. And so, you know, we could ask him some questions. So anyway, who should we go with, Mel? Should we go with you first? Well, in the case that you're no, talking no. about, it doesn't really matter. Who, which one of us? I'm we just go with. on the website wishing you guys would shut up because I need to go change my car to white. Oh, right. I have to add. I have to add the dual charger myself. All right, let's end the show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. His name was Robert. His name was Tom. This is a long show. Uh, am I going to put in uh, going zero and add another thirty minutes to this thing? Why yeah. not? Let's just double down. Let's make Woo-hoo! it happen. Woo-hoo! High five. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Done. Talking Tesla is a production of Fooly Boo Incorporated. Produced by Mel Herbert and CC Herbert. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum. To support Talking Tesla. Go to patreon.com forward slash talking Tesla. Follow us on Twitter 
Our handle is at TalkingTesla. And finally, if you love the show, write us a review on iTunes. I mean, you're talking about taking out a loan at, I don't know, what are car loans, 3%, 3.5% right now, 4%, maybe 2%? Depends on who you finance Yeah, whatever you. bank. Okay. You're only talking about maybe a $100 difference in the loan mm-hmm. from ten from 100000 to 90000 So it's episode two of Going Zero, our little sort of podcast within a podcast, trying to work out how you can make a company become zero carbon. And we talked last week with Jess and Dave, who you just heard, about whether $10,000 is going to move the needle on them getting an electric car. We have about 10 people in the company. We want to try and get as many people into electric cars as possible, get as much solar on their roofs as possible, and then we're going to go through all the other stuff that we do in our company and see what it means to really become a carbon-neutral company. I have no idea how it's going to work out. We're just going to make this thing up as we go. And so to remind you, they have a long commute. They go from Fresno to LA. It's about 200 miles. And we're discussing whether a $10,000 credit from us, from the company, would help move them into something like a Tesla. That's really the only car that's going to have the range that they need right now. Would another $10,000 credit from the company move the needle on them getting a $100,000 car versus uh, a second-hand Tesla, for example? So 190 that's still like way over the top. But- um but sixty to fifty. But sixty to fifty. That's that's a big difference. Make that's a bigger difference. That's a seven hundred dollar a month payment. So you don't want to over extrapolate. But I think Elon said this himself that you know the federal tax credits we have here in the U.S. and in California in particular is about seven and a half thousand dollars from the feds and two and a half thousand dollars from the states. And we talk about it on the main show all the time. Does it really move the needle? And I think it is true at that high end at a hundred thousand dollars. Um, 10000 bucks isn't going to make that big a difference. If you can afford a $100,000 car, you can probably afford a $110,000 car, or you can afford a $90,000 car. It's nice to have, but it doesn't move the needle. But down at the lower end, down where the Model 3 is going to be coming in, around that sort of thirty, dollars $50,000, $10,000 there is a much bigger percent and is more likely to get people to jump. And so as you're hearing from Jess and Dave, that's true in their case as well. So whether it be federal tax credits, state tax credits, or whether it be a company trying to push people into greener technologies, it works, I think, but it only works down at the lower end when that $10,000, for example, really is a significant percent of the purchase price of that thing that you're trying to get, be it solar panels, be it cars, be it uh, whatever green thing you're trying to do. So in greening our company, we're saying to people, we'd really like to try and get you into EVs. And Dave and Jess in particular are driving a lot between LA and Fresno, putting a lot of miles on, burning a lot of carbon. So in order to get them into an electric vehicle, you actually have to do a little bit of educating because if you don't have an EV, you don't understand all the limitations and the upsides, all right? So their single biggest concern, let me see if you can guess, When you're talking to people about here, you should get an electric car to do this commute. We're going to help you out and help you buy one of those cars. What's going to be their biggest concern? Of course, it's going to be range anxiety. And here's one of the specific issues that they have. LA lives in a basin. Around that basin is a big mountain range. To get to Fresno, you have to go up 5,000 feet over a thing called the Grapevine. And then uh, you go down into the other plain on the other side of the mountains and you drive into Fresno. And they're concerned that the car... Is it going to be able to make it up there? Is it going to be able to make it up with enough charge so that they can still drive to Fresno on the other side? Up the grapevine also? I mean, that's a steep steep climb. Yeah. So I told them the the short answer is yes. 
Um, with a Tesla, with lots of range, you do use a lot of energy going up a hill. Um, absolutely. A lot of potential energy is being sort of shoved into that car. But with an electric car, you're going to get it back. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Because of regenerative braking, or in this case, sort of regenerative cruising as you're coming down the other side, you're going to get a lot of that energy back into the batteries. It's not all of it, though. So it does expend a fair amount of energy getting up there. You're going to get way more energy back than if you drive a gasoline car, which is just all gone. But with regenerative braking and electric car like a Tesla, you're going to get most of that back. And they were also concerned about, you know, is it powerful enough to get up the hill? And so that was sort of, as a Tesla owner, you realize that's kind of laughable. It's way more powerful and has more torque than almost any other car on the market. So that's not an issue. But Tesla's been really smart. They know that people are going to have this anxiety. So at the other side of this giant mountain range is the Tejon Ranch. And we've talked about it on the show before. It's a very popular place to charge as you need a little bit of boost to get up that hill if you're coming into LA or if you're going from LA somewhere else to get a bit of a boost. So there is a supercharger there. There's a supercharger that's between that one and Fresno. There's one in Fresno. So range in this case is not an issue. But they were wondering about charging. Charging in general. How do you do it? Where can you do it? How fast is it? Can I plug the car straight into a wall? I mean, I, my friend's got a smart car, and he does that. He 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 plugs it right into the outlet. Well, the short answer to that is, yeah, you can plug it into that outlet. In fact, Teslas have sort of a lot of different cords and cables, and you can plug them into a whole variety of different power sources. Power sources at home and power sources on the road through their supercharger network. So the short answer is yes. But the longer answer is, would you do that? So think about this really two types of driving that most of us do. There's the driving we do every day around town and maybe the commute to work. And it turns out that most people drive less than about 40 miles a day, which is really not that much. So if you're the kind of person that just you know drives less than 40 miles a day around town doing that stuff, then actually plugging into a standard wall outlet here in the US is fine. It's really slow. But it's actually fine. It's only going to get you about three or four miles of range per hour of charging through a standard wall outlet. So overnight, if you plug it in for 12 hours, then you're going to get 40, 50 miles of range. So that's fine for the vast majority of people. And I know some people who have Teslas who just plug it in to a standard wall outlet. And that's fine. If you want it faster, though, you have to get these things called level two chargers, 240 volts, and they come at different amperages. And the fastest one you can get at home is the Tesla. It has about an 80 amps. It has 240 volts. And you can get about 40 to 60 miles of range per hour of charge on that. And you have to have an electrician come and install it. And it costs uh, 1000 2000 bucks by the time you're all done. But really worthwhile if you're doing much more driving than that. If you want to charge up your car much faster, it's really worth putting that in. And you don't have to put an 80 amp in. That's a lot of amperage. You can put in a 30 amp one or a 40 amp one, which um, charges between sort of 20 and 30 miles per hour of charging. So most people with electric cars actually choose to get one of these uh, level two chargers so that they can charge up a little bit faster. But you don't have to. In fact, you know, I just went to Vegas and when I was in Vegas, I was staying at a hotel that didn't have one of these level two chargers, but that had a standard wall outlet. I was going to be there for 24 hours and I just plugged into that and I got, you know, 100 miles of charge while I was just sort of plugged into their standard wall outlet. So you can make this work a number of different ways. Hmm, okay, so that's that's an option. I guess at the least we could 
even if we didn't convert the outlet and we got like 40 miles overnight, we could just go down to the supercharger. Yeah. Even though it's across town. Way out. Yeah. And better load up that Starbucks cards. Are there like restaurants and coffee shops near these superchargers so people can hang out? So what we're talking about now is when you're on the road and you're going on a big trip, obviously you need something faster than even the home outlet could give you at sort of 40 or 50 or 60 miles per hour of charging. When you're going on a long trip, you don't want to plug in for two or three hours before you can go on to your next sort of section of your trip. It's crazy. So Tesla has installed throughout the US and now increasingly throughout the world this supercharger network. Supercharger network is fast DC, direct current charging. And in the supercharger network, under the best of circumstances, you can get 100 miles in about 20 minutes. You can get 200 plus miles in about 40 minutes of charging. And these superchargers are all through the US, through these corridors, so that you can basically crisscross the country now. You can go up and down, you can go across, if you actually sort of plan a little bit ahead of time. They're not everywhere, they're not ubiquitous like their gas stations everywhere in the United States, but they've really set up this network of charging so that people can drive their Teslas almost anywhere in the US, and it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. So these superchargers... They're fast. It's not as fast as filling up at a gas station. And you heard Jess and Dave say where they are in Fresno, there's one down the street. If they really need to, they could sort of drive the 10 minutes over to the supercharger and and fill up before they go on a trip, for example. So on long distances, you've got a car that has a lot of range, and now you have a supercharger network. And that's why the Tesla is still the car of choice, because although there are other electric cars... There's none that really have the range of a Tesla, and we didn't even really talk about that. The real-world range of the newest Teslas is somewhere around 250 miles. They're actually rated higher than that. But in the real world, you get much less than the EPA-suggested range because the EPA does things like if you drive at 55 miles an hour and you don't have the air conditioner on, you don't have 3,000 people in the car, um, then you can get up to 300-plus miles in some of the newer Teslas. But the real-world range in the newer ones is probably around 250 miles, which is plenty. You can drive for three or four hours, and then you plug into the supercharger network for 30, 40 minutes, get another 200 miles of range, and then off you go again. So it's a little bit inconvenient. It'll slow you down a little bit if you're doing a long trip. But it's also kind of a good thing because it forces you to stop to get out to walk around. And that's what everybody says we should be doing when we do long trips. But the holy grail is that one day the supercharger network, the superchargers themselves, will allow us to charge up that battery much faster than that. And there is you know, talk, there is sort of in the interwebs, the Tesla might be able to get that down to five minutes. You'd be able to get 200 miles of range in five minutes. That would be really cool. You're going to have to have a big pipe, lots of electrons, lots of energy. But that is theoretically possible. We're not there yet. Every day we look at the interwebs and hope that there's going to be some announcement about that. But so let's summarize. So you've got a car that has a lot of range if you buy a Tesla, um, 250 miles of real-world range. For everyday driving, that's all you need. You can plug it into a wall at home, just a standard outlet here in the U.S., and that'll get you 40 miles overnight, 50 miles overnight, which will be plenty for what most people do. If you're going on a longer trip, there is this supercharger network, which is pretty robust, which is throughout the, most of the driving corridors here in the U.S., and it's uh, quite pleasant to use. But they asked about amenities in particular. Let's be very clear. This is not like a normal gas station. This is basically just a series of pumps, as it were, to pump electrons into that battery. There is not that same infrastructure in terms of there's not an AMPM. There's not a little store there where you can grab a drink and uh, it's run by Tesla. But they do put these near 
other people's amenities, like a Denny's or a McDonald's or in the middle of a shopping complex. But if you go at 3 a.m., expecting that there's going to be a 24-hour sort of little a cafeteria-like thing there that you can buy some goodies and have a wee-wee, it's not necessarily the case. So again, you have to be doing a little bit of planning, understand where these are, particularly if you're going to be there in the middle of the night. Is there that 24-hour Denny's or McDonald's nearby that you can use some of their amenities? I suspect, we suspect in the future that there will be a whole sort of new business opportunity for people to start setting up little kiosk areas at these Tesla supercharger network. But currently, we don't know of any plans that Tesla's going to do that themselves. They're just saying, here's where you can fill up. We're putting them at convenient places where people need to charge. We're putting them in places where there is amenities around. But as of yet, Tesla's not turning this into sort of a a 24-hour 7-Eleven-like experience. That's not happening. So the discussion continued about the distance this car can go and the supercharger network and is this going to work out for them driving to 250 miles from Fresno? Um, can Have I convinced them yet? Have I, have I talked them into getting this car to spend the cash? Well, then Jess hits me with this. So, okay, you just said you have a Highlander. I just want to ask you, I know it's a little bit of a tangent. Are you always going to keep a gas vehicle just to have? So that's a really insightful question and it really gets to the sort of the guts of it. So here we have somebody who's a newbie to electric cars, and I'm trying to convince them that this is the way to go. And then they ask, but are you so confident that you don't need a gas car? And the short answer to that is yes. At this point, having had electric vehicles for a number of years, having a Tesla with a lot of range, having the supercharger network, which I've used a lot, the answer is yes. And it gets even better than that, actually. There's also this thing called destination charging, where increasingly, especially hotels and Airbnbs, but also other businesses, are putting in Tesla chargers, are putting in just sort of standard EV chargers that you can adapt to use with your Tesla, because they recognize that this is good for business. There's nothing better than having somebody say, well, I'm going to go to San Francisco and I want to stay in this hotel, and Hotel 1 has EV charging and Hotel 2 doesn't, where am I going to stay? I'm going to stay at the place where I can charge my car. I don't have to find a supercharger right nearby. I can just drive straight to the hotel and know that overnight I can plug in and have a full tank. So destination charging has also exploded. Tesla's done a really good job of working with uh, businesses so that they can get EV chargers, particularly Tesla chargers, into their uh, restaurants, into their hotels, into their Airbnbs at a reduced cost. And so that part of the charging infrastructure has exploded and is continuing to explode. And we think that it's going to more than quadruple in the next few years, as well as the supercharging network is going to more than double in the next few years. So the short answer is yes. I am so comfortable now with this car, with the onboard maps that tell you how far you can go and how much charge you're going to have, which we'll get into next time on Going Zero, that I don't need a gas car anymore. That's not to say, though, that we as a society don't need gas cars. We still do. There are still places that you want to go that you really can't drive an electric car. There's still types of cars that you need that you just can't do electric. There's not an electric truck yet. There's not an electric minivan. We hope all that stuff is coming soon. But for the average person with routine driving, even going on long trips, a Tesla gets it done. On the next episode of Going Zero, we're going to continue to talk to Jess and Dave because they're such a great case study in getting people into electric vehicles who really didn't know much about them before. 
And we're going to follow this story arc because there's some really interesting things that are about to happen to them in their decision to get an electric vehicle. So let's summarize where we are. We're talking about going zero. We're talking about trying to get this little company as carbon neutral as possible. And one of the aspects of that is trying to get at least some of the people who work in the company who drive a lot into EVs. And the first recognition is that the car that everybody wants right now, the car that really works for long distance travel, is expensive. And we asked the question whether $10,000 makes a difference. And we've sort of decided that at the high end at $100,000, maybe that's not enough to get people into these cars, but certainly at the lower end, at the $30,000 or $40,000 end, $10,000 as a company to your employees might make a significant difference. And that's why we're all waiting for Model 3, because this could really change the way this works. But uh, there will be a great reveal coming up in coming episodes, because it's not quite as simple as I've made it sound. And we've also sort of gone through the fact that this little podcast within a podcast is now as much about teaching people about what it means to go carbon zero as much as it is about how to do it. And I promised you last week we'd be talking to Dwight, who makes really low energy houses and office spaces. They design them. And I've got a really great interview for you, but I'm going to postpone it because I want to follow this story arc through a little bit more because, you know, there is a great reveal coming up in coming weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, My name's Mel Herbert, and this is the podcast within the podcast. It's called Going Zero.